Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN, where it's 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Kerry Davis. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks to everybody who, first of all, thanks to you and Alexa Dad for filling in yesterday on the opening drive while I was at the Every Child's Hope Golf Tournament. And thanks to all the people who volunteered and participated yesterday and our friends at Potbelly. If you if you would need a breakfast or a uh, lunch sandwich today, yeah, I know that you're Much. a pot belly, and so is oh, Matthew Rocchio. Matthew yeah, Rocchio. I, I probably will end up <laughs> yeah. doing a pot belly later yeah. today. Damn. Pot belly sandwiches are yes. great, so have that for lunch. Thanks to our friends at Keurig Dr. Pepper. You know of my affinity for Dr. Pepper products. And uh, also our friends at Golf Discount. They provided the prizes, Grey Eagle Distributors with uh, all of the beer that was out at Old Hickory. And thanks to the, the volunteers and the staff at Old Hickory. A great day for the Every Child's Hope Golf Tournament. And Thank you for tuning in yesterday. We wake up this morning with the Cardinals embarking on their last long road trip of the season in San Diego tonight. They'll take on the Padres. Adam Wainwright goes against Mike Clevenger and carry a transaction last night. And I was mildly surprised that the Cardinals sent Nolan Gorman down and they brought Juan Yepes back. Although Gorman at this stage didn't deserve to be one of the 26 guys on the roster. Yeah, I, I think you have you know more than enough uh, up the middle in the outfield, so you you don't really need him. And and Juan, you know, was playing pretty well while he was here. So I think having him back in the fold uh, gives you a little bit more flexibility and allows you to do some 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 more things uh, offensively and defensively. Nothing the Cardinals could have done about this when they got Nolan Arenado, but they did a, a disservice to Nolan Gorman inadvertently by moving him to second base because he's not a great second baseman. And we knew when he was out in the minors this year, when we were clapping for him to come up when the offense was struggling, we knew that he was going to strike out a bunch. And in his last month in the majors, he struck out about 50% of the time. And ordinarily, that's not going to get it done at the major league no. level. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. It just is not, it's not a, a recipe for success if you're, if you're striking out often. So, you know, it, 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 maybe you can go down and get some things figured out. But having Juan Yepes up and you know what he brings to the table is going to be you know, beneficial, like I said, for this Cardinals mm-hmm. offense, having having a little bit more power in the, in the lineup. So three against the Padres, three against the Dodgers. Kerry, I, I am happy coming out of this six games on the road against two good teams. If they're 500, if they go three and three in these six, I'm a happy camper. What about you? I, I, I'm 
I'm, I've told you this many greedy. times. I'm very greedy, Randy. I, I need I need four out of four out of six. I need I need to win. You know, go four out of four to two uh, in those series and 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 really show you know in those on the road in their home ballpark that you can compete when that when the playoff time rolls around because we are what three weeks mm-hmm. essentially away from from playoff starting. You more than likely are going to face one of those three teams at some point. The the Dodgers. The Padres, or the if Brewers. Milwaukee can yep. can creep back up in, you'll be facing the Brewers. So you know that's the eight games for the for the next eight games. If you have if you are going to those ballparks, you want to show dominance over those teams mm-hmm. and show them, hey, roll your best guys out. Our lineup is better than yours. Our pitching is our pitching is better than yours. And so let's get that done and let's have fun while doing that. And I think you know I, playing the Reds, playing some of the teams that they played prior to these couple of series, you can say maybe they were a little bit bored. And that happens mm-hmm. in professional yeah. sports, especially in, in baseball where the season is so long and, and you have to play a team like the Reds five times in a row. You got a doubleheader mashed in there. And you get you can get bored. It, it, it's not yeah. right. And your fate <laughs> is sealed. You know yes. that you're going to yes. be the number three seed. You know you're going to win your division. You, there's really not an awful lot to play for. It's not exciting, right? No. So now you get to go out to L.A. You get to go out to San Diego. And you get to play against some teams that are competing, that are battling for something the Dodgers not so much. They're they're sewed up in where they mm-hmm. are, but they still want to have good, you know, a good series against us. So it's going to be I think it'll be more excitement. I think you'll see more guys more engaged in what's going on uh and and you should see a a, a favorable outcome for the Cardinals this week. Tonight it's an 8:40 start from Petco Park in San Diego. Meanwhile, Monday night football last night, a couple of really interesting games against the teams, a couple of teams that are are really good. The Buffalo Bills are the class, if not the class of the AFC. Well, I guess if you're the class of the AFC, you're the yeah, class of the league, huh? Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and they're two and zero with two dominant wins last night. It was forty-one to seven over Tennessee. Buffalo taking the lead on a Josh Allen touchdown pass. It was seven seven after a quarter when Tyler Bass hits a field goal to make it a ten seven lead, and then Allen hit. Uh, digs for a seven yard or a four yarder before putting it away with this bomb to digs the swiss army knife deal here's allen on second and ten stepping up into the logo and throwing's got digs wide open it's caught touchdown 46 yard strike josh allen to stefan digs that one came with 10 18 left in the third quarter five minutes after that those two hooked up again have to go third quarter. Pressure for the Titans. Allen throws right into the teeth of it to Diggs. Another touchdown for Buffalo. Third of the night. Allen to Diggs. And the Bills starting to blow the Titans out of the building. And the Bills did blow the Titans, and who <laughs> are still a pretty good team, out of the building 41-7. to They took Josh Allen out after the third quarter. That, mm-hmm. that generally doesn't happen in NFL games where the quarterback is removed from the game because you're playing so well. And and I, I, you speak about class of, of the AFC or the NFL. The, the Bills are there. They did something that they mm-hmm. haven't done yet this year. They actually punted. They had not punted in their first game. Yeah. And I think for their last six games, they hadn't punted, uh, including one of the playoff games. This offense is rolling at such an, uh, a, a, a high level that it's going to be hard to stop them. It's going to be hard for them to, to uh, 
um, you know, just just mm-hmm. not roll in the way they they got new, they have uh, Miami this weekend in Miami, which early in the season in Miami is going to be hot. It's going to be difficult. So this will be a real test for them, especially seeing the way that Miami played uh, Sunday, how they finished. They didn't start off well, but they finished well. Uh, it's going to be a tough task for them. If they can go through Miami in that heat and not have, you know, not struggle or not have many problems, you might need to watch out for the Bills for the entire season. And a really scary moment there, cornerback Dane Jackson with some friendly fire. One of his teammates uh, flies over his head. His head actually, the the back of his helmet hit his back. Mm. That's how far back his neck moved. He had all feeling in his extremities. They say that he's doing well. But it was scary for everybody in the stadium. I know you've been involved with those situations. It is scary. And and one of the... the I mean, it's fearful because you, you know as a football player, you know what hits mean what. And when you see a guy get hit in a certain way and not get up, that's the part that you see everyone taking a knee, praying and, and, and really concerned for either their teammate or the opponent because no one wants to see someone get hurt. We all want to play the game as hard as we can. We want to compete. We want to talk trash. We want to argue and fuss and cuss and all of those things. But at the end of the day, we all want to get up and walk away from that game and go to our family after after the game. So to see him get injured in that light, it's, 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 it's hard for you as a player to to deal with, but you're, you're happy that he does have all the feeling and, and everything now is so precautionary. So they're going to make a, they're going to make sure that you know, you get the, the, the C-spine, the board out, and they put them on. So they you have to take care of all of that. But just knowing that he does have feeling makes you feel a little bit more at ease uh, this morning. So 41-7 victory for Buffalo over Tennessee. And then in the other game, Philadelphia rolled Minnesota 24-7. Jalen Hurts with a three-yard touchdown run in the first quarter. And then early in the second quarter, Jalen threw the air. Second down and eight for the Eagles at their own 47. Good protection again, launch downfield, Watkins wide open, touchdown. 53 yards on that one. That was the touchdown pass of the night for Jalen Hurts. He ran for a couple. Philadelphia's defense was terrific against Minnesota, especially their secondary. And Philly moves to 2-0 and now, Kerry, with the 24-7 win over the 1-1 and Vikings. Well, they are the, the class of their division, the, the NFC East. I don't think, I don't believe in the Giants. I don't believe in the Cowboys, even though they had a, had a very good victory in the the team in Washington, whoever they whoever, whoever they are, commanders. commanders yeah, <laughs> I don't believe in them either. Um, but this this new um, Philadelphia Eagles team with Jalen Hurts, if he's playing at this at this level, they are going to be a tough out. They they run the ball well, they pass the ball well, and then he has the additional factor of being able to use his legs to make things happen. And then you got Darius Slade. Justin Jefferson went off last week. Completely off. And I, I think Rock said it. J- Darius Slay had as many receptions against him <laughs> as, <laughs> as Jefferson did. did. They were two for two. Yeah. Jefferson had two catches. Darius had two interceptions. So if you can have an, a corner that can shut down an opposing receiver mm-hmm. like that, it's going to be tough for teams to to combat that week in and week out. And I, I I will get to it later, but I may have to have to rethink my my NFC uh, picture, my my big picture coming out because the the Eagles played very very well last night. So you played college football, you played in the NFL, and you coach college kids now. 
How important is it for Nick Saban to have Tua having the game that he had oh, on yeah. Sunday and then Jalen having the game he had last night? It's, it, it does everything for you because you can say, hey, this is – if Nick Saban doesn't have to do this, I mean, people know who his yeah. who his guys are, but you turn on the TV every Sunday, you're going to watch an Alabama guy. But when you yeah. have quarterbacks playing, that guy played for me. Oh, and then when he didn't do well, I brought this guy in, the guy that threw four touchdowns in the fourth quarter for the Dolphins. Were you immediately ha- leaving Mac Jones out of this conversation, yeah, by the way? about Mac Jones. <laughs> no, who else we go about Mac Jones? But the other two guys did a very good job. So you definitely are able to sell them and say, hey, if you can play football here, you can play football yep. anywhere. And by the way, he probably has the first pick in the draft playing quarterback for him right now, probably. right? And Bryce Young? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely and does. Congratulations to STL City 2. They finished first in the Western Conference and they're going to start their playoff run on Sunday at Ralph Cordy Stadium versus North Texas SC. So STL City, man, that organization is off and running and next year this time they'll be playing MLS games at the new stadium in downtown St. Louis. That's Kerry, I'm Randy and we're off and running on the opening drive here on 101 ESPN. Coming up four downs from NFL Week 2. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, time for four downs from Week 2 in the NFL. First down. And CD, on draft day, I told the Jaguars right here, I was sitting in this chair, and I told the Jaguars, don't take Trayvon Walker with the first overall pick. Use it on Michigan's Aiden Hutchinson. Mm -hmm. Well, Hutchinson recorded his first three career sacks in the Lions' 36-27 win over Washington. He's 22 years and 40 days old. He became the fourth youngest player since 1982 when sacks became a statistic to record three sacks in a game. The only guys younger than Hutchinson to record three in a game, Vernon Maxwell in 1983, Nick Bosa in 2019, and Greg uh, Townsend in 1983. Hutchinson is already the most popular Lion. Of course, he's from there, and that Mm -hmm. makes a difference. And they're going to be thanking the Jags for taking Walker, who already has a sack and an interception for the Jags for a lot of years. Aiden Hutchinson was a stud in college, and he's a stud now. Yeah, he's done a great job. And and them getting a guy, a Michigan guy, uh, to stay in the fold, stay home, uh, be a part. Most guys don't want to go to Detroit, and he mm-hmm. wanted to be in Detroit more than anything, which gives you, you know, kind of a, a little bit of jolt or boost because he wants to play there. So you know he's going to perform well for his hometown team, uh, and it's good for him. I, I, I'll, I'll push back a little bit on on the best lion because there's one in waiting from here from St. Louis That's that true. is going to be very very good when he comes back from this ACL uh, rehab in Jamison Williams. Those two, 1A and 1B, I'm, I, the Lions are a team that is going to surprise a lot of people as well because, you know, Dan Campbell, when he came out with the biting mm-hmm. kneecaps and elbows and you, you looked at him kind of crazy, but now when you kind of when you start to see a little bit more of his personality and, and how those guys respect him and fight for him, they're going to be a tough team. This might be the draft that changes the fortunes of that be. franchise. Yep. Kerry, that franchise has won one playoff game since 1957. That, one. Is, that is awful. Since... 1957, we've gotten a team, lost a team, gotten a team, went to a Super Bowl, went to another Super Bowl, and lost a team. (laughs) (laughs) We've gotten and lost two teams and been to two Super Bowls, and they've won one playoff game. Sounds like we deserve another one, and Detroit does not not so much. I don't know. Second down. Randy, the Broncos stink. Not good. (laughs) They they absolutely stink. They put up two clunkers. They won last week. I don't know how. 
they they found a way to to find the end zone late in the game. Russell Wilson is is struggling, and and he got paid all of this money. They have a very good run. You know, Javante Williams, I think, running the ball is is a very good athlete. But for some reason, they are not able to. And then their their injuries are starting to build up. They Jerry Judy went down, Simmons went down, Patrick Sertan went down, and now the, you, you're starting to see in two weeks a team that I thought could compete in the AFC West. They may be the fourth team. The Raiders are, are trying to to fight for that, but mm-hmm. they may be the the fourth team in that division, and they are. It's it's hard to watch them. It, it, I don't know. They said uh, Seahawks. The Seahawks player said that Russell Wilson was using some of the same hand signals that he's used in the past, so they knew what was coming <laughs> oh, and what to expect. Come on, man. They they are they are bad right now, and they have to figure some things out. Kerry, when teams interview coaches for eight hours. Part of the process that they say is, okay, you're in the fourth quarter of a game, last minute, and it's it's fourth and five, and you're looking at a 64-yard field goal in the face. What are you going to do? Those are some of the things that take place in these interviews. Clearly, Denver didn't ask these questions of Nathaniel Hackett <laughs> because now after both games, he has had to answer questions about logical coaching moves. And even yesterday, he said, yeah, our decision-making has to be better. That shouldn't be a decision, no. a, a problem with a brand-new head coach. No. That should be something that's taken care of in the interview process before he even gets hired. Well, if they ask you that question, you're at, you're, you're, your next question should be, well, who's my quarterback and yeah. who's my kicker? Mm-hmm. Justin Tucker? Cool. I may kick it, depending yeah. on who the quarterback is. But if it's Russell Wilson as quarterback, yeah, I'm probably going to go with it, go for it, even if I have Justin Tucker. I, I, I you know what? It's going to be a tough time if they can't make game in-game decisions the correct because there are a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure in those moments, and I don't think people take into account how important coaching is mm-hmm. in those moments. It's easy when you're winning, when you're rolling, when you're making plays, but in the tough, critical times, you have to have a coach that is able to make decisions. And one more point before thing, if things go really awry in Denver, the new owner Rob Walton. He was brought aboard in August, and Nathaniel Hackett was hired in March. So if, if Walton wants to say, I didn't hire him, right. I can go one and done, right. he can. Yep, yeah, it's a possibility. Third down. All right, CD, I know you're going to talk about the Eagles after a 24-7 win over Minnesota last night. They're looking good, and Jalen Hurts leads the league in yards per completion. He's eighth in completion percentage. He's seventh in yards, and here's the kicker. He's tied with Nick Chubb for the league lead in rushing <laughs> touchdowns. This is a guy that is super smart and super competitive and has great leadership ability. He showed that at Alabama. He has shown that so far in his rookie year in the NFL and now through two games with the Eagles this year. And with all the weapons he has, Jalen Hurts has moved from 13 to 1 to 8 to 1 to win the MVP. Only Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are ahead of him in terms of odds to win the MVP. Jalen Hurts, over the course of two games, has shown me that he can be a star. He is. He is a star. And and I think last year, one of the questions and, and one of the issues that they had was him getting the ball to his receivers in a timely fashion and, and not being on time, you know, not being on target and, and just being a little bit delayed with getting those guys the ball. You saw in the first game A.J. Brown go off. Mm-hmm. Devontae Smith didn't do anything. Last night he was able to find everyone to the tune of 333 yards and one touchdown passing, and then those two rushing touchdowns. He's getting the ball out. He knows where the ball needs to go. He's making very quick and, and very good decisions, taking care of the football. 
and as you said, going from from thirteen to one odds to eight to one, and and now the number three uh, to to possibly win the MVP in the league, he is playing at an MVP level. I don't know if he gets it because those two guys in front of him are, are special. But he is, if he continues to play like this, this Eagle team, this Eagles team can go very far. And it's really interesting to watch teams. Jim Harbaugh when Kaepernick was at uh, San Francisco, they led the league in rushing. Uh, the the Ravens pretty mm-hmm. much are always in the top two or three in rushing with a, a quarterback that can run and then great running backs behind him. And that's what the Eagles can build if, if they can get their running backs going. They've right. already got the running game going with Jalen, but if they and they're second in the league in rushing. But if they can get their running backs going, then they can really dominate games. Yeah, that's how you finish games. And and mm-hmm. if you can if you can run the ball effectively, now you have those RPO plays where I'm faking the run and I can hit a slanting Devontae Smith or AJ Brown going across the middle or even mm-hmm. on the outside, and it makes it so stressful for a defense to stop a an RPO game, a quarterback that is active with his legs and receivers that are that good on the outside. It's going to be tough. And then you got a tight end up the middle and yeah. Goddard who who catches the ball well also. It, this is an Eagles team, you know, poised to to go very far in these in this in this NFL season and possibly in the playoffs. Fourth down. Randy Raiders, Ravens, and the Browns. You're winning. It's the fourth quarter. And you give up the you give up the game to the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray. The Raiders just gave that one up. They Hunter Renfro fumbles twice in overtime. One they recovered. The second one is a fumble for a pick for a scoop and score uh, for a touchdown. Which how they even got to the overtime is beyond me because Kyler Murray just scrambled and, and found a way, found another receiver in the end zone for the two point conversion. The Ravens are up and give up four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Four touchdowns in the fourth quarter to Tua. And the Browns, well, they did Browns things. That, that, <laughs> that one that doesn't surprise me so much. Not, not really going to beat Jets. up on the Browns, but it is the Jets. <laughs> it is the Jets. So now maybe I will. You cannot – it's so hard to win in this league, Randy. You cannot give up leads in that fashion. The Raiders losing the game in the final seconds of the fourth quarter. The, and then in mm-hmm. overtime, the Ravens up by 35 to 14 and giving up four touchdowns in the fourth. All you need is two or three first downs mm-hmm. and the game is over. At some point, two drives with two or three first downs and you win the game. They Those teams are going to regret that they allowed the, 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 the Cardinals and the Dolphins and the Jets to get back into the game and win those games. All right. I want to start with the Raiders because since the rules changes – the success rate for onside kicks is something like 3%. And they allowed the Cardinals to recover an onside kick. Now, I can't imagine what it must be like to have your head spinning with Kyler Murray running around back there. <laughs> but there has to be a level of dis- defensive discipline, doesn't there? So that you don't leave the unbelievable gaps. And I know those guys, the defensive linemen, were all gassed. But you can't allow that to happen on the two-point conversion. you got to get one more play. You have to find one more play in you. And, mm-hmm. and and if you don't, you saw it with uh, Gerald Everett last week, where he he was so gassed in the pick six, they took it for a touch. I can't, I'm I'm dropping the team in the, in my mind right now. But those things, the Chargers, it was yeah, the Chargers yeah. and the and the and the Chiefs game. You have to give me one more play. 
That's why mm-hmm. coaches, that's why we run. I need one more play when you think you don't have one. And if you can't get to Ty, to Kyler Murray, that, mm-hmm. that, the, the best description I heard of Kyler Murray is they said he looks like a toddler who just stole his parents' <laughs> phone and they can't catch him. <laughs> right. That, he's running around. He's, he's so small, but he's running around and he's so athletic and it's tough to get to him. And he's just making plays with his legs, extending plays. It, it, yeah, but you can't. You can't lose like that. No. All right. I gave credit when I was talking about the Eagles to the Ravens. How can the Ravens not hang on to the ball for five minutes in the fourth quarter? You, it, how can the It's the Ravens. You have the elite quarterback who can run or pass. Mm-hmm. You should be able to eat up some clock. I think I, I saw their drives in that fourth quarter. They went five plays. They went three plays and a punt. Uh, another couple of plays in a play. It, it was just not su- sustaining the drives and allowing Miami to get back into that game. And you're at home. You can't mm-hmm. lose that way at home. So it, they got some figuring. They got to figure out some things on that back end um, because it was it was not good. And then finally, the the Jets, I believe, had a one percent chance of winning that game with yep. about one fifty five to yep. go. Right. Yep. And that that was the that was the onside kick. That was, was the onside the kick. Yeah, it was the, the Jets. Jets was the onside yep. kick. It was like a 99% (laughs) chance that the Browns were going to win that game. The Browns did Browns things. That's who they are. You you have to accept people for who they are, Randy, when they show you. When people show you who they are, accept it. Believe it. Yeah. So, yeah, you you, you believe the Browns are who they are. And and it doesn't surprise me, but it is is struggling. It is troubling for me to see them lose in that fact. No, it's not really. (laughs) I didn't care that the Ravens lost either. The Steelers lost. The Bengals lost. We all took an L, so we're all even for the for the division for the week. <laughs> Just folding in green here on fourth down. They <laughs> are who we thought they were. <laughs> Unbelievable. What a weekend in the NFL. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, what's the biggest thing you're watching for in the six-game road trip with the Cardinals? The pitching is going to be interesting starting tonight with Adam Wainwright, but can they get their offense back? What are we looking for? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Cardinals start uh, an eight-game road trip tonight. I was going to say a eight-game road trip, but it is an eight-game road trip tonight. <laughs> so just want to make sure I get it right, Matthew. Yeah, look, look at you with the grammar, Randy. No, it's, we're, we're a grammar show here. Strong, you know, we we talk on the radio. That's that's a difficult stretch. Yeah. <laughs> so you got three in San Diego, you got three in L.A., and then two against Milwaukee. And the question for us and the question for you, 65780 on the Air Comfort Service text line, is what would you like to see out of this road trip? And, Carrie, this is easy for me. Obviously, number one, I want to see Pools get the record. Get that out of the oh, way. Yeah. I think it's become a distraction now. I think I, for, for everybody. Do you agree? I, I think so. It, it just not – you want to see him get it done. Obviously, we wanted to see him do it here. Um, but get it over with so that it's not, you know, putting too much pressure or too much strain on you, you know, as a as a player, but also as a team. Because when you are uh, uh, searching for a record like that, and everyone is involved in some some regard, you may have guys start to do things out of out of the ordinary that they normally wouldn't do to try to make sure that he gets more at bats or more more opportunities to hit the hit the ball out of the park. So, you know, just just get it over with whenever it is. St. Louis Cardinals fans, you have to just deal with it. It may not be here. It's right. it's a possibility. I think he has five uh, left-handed pitchers in a row uh, that are slated to start um, after after yeah, tonight's today, game. Right. So you know, it's, it's it's 
it's a possibility that it could happen, so let's just get it over and move on. And then the other yeah. thing for me, Kerry, is to get the big boys going. Last 14 days, 13 games for Nolan Arenado. He's got one homer and a 650 OPS. Last 14 days for Paul Goldschmidt, not much better. We said Arenado with a 650. Goldie, last 14 days, a dozen games, a 735 OPS with only one home run. So it's been a rough couple of weeks, relatively speaking, for those two. And if the Cardinals are going to win, hey, it's going to be Goldie and Arenado in the middle of the lineup that are the, the fulcrum for their offense. So I just want to see those two guys get going before the season, the regular season ends. Yeah, and because obviously you want that to happen so you can kind of be a little bit on a hot streak or, or just have it rolling heading into the playoffs. And as you said, Randy, this offense goes as though to, as those two guys go. If they are not, if they're struggling at the plate, if they're not able to push runs across, where are you going to find runs, or who is who is going to be able to hit the ball uh, out of the infield and 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 drive in runs if those two aren't aren't doing it? And it made me think maybe that's potentially why they brought Yepes back up, mm-hmm. get a little bit more power, someone else to get in that lineup to to you know just give you a little jolt, a little bit of a boost. Um, but you need those two guys because they are your MVP candidates, not just for the team but for the NL. Um, you need those two guys to get get rolling. Yep. How about you? What would you like to see? I want to see the pitching. I want to see um, who who is going to take that. We we know Wayno is is potentially the number one. Uh, Miles maybe if he if, unless he continues to not pitch as well as we would like him to. Jordan Montgomery is is doing you know fantastic things and he's 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 more than likely your number two or number three. What Quintana did in his last start was was pretty you know eye opening for me because you go eight. You you you're 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 showing that you are competing and and trying to get into that slot. I think right now that this pitching staff, um, the competition that they have, a friendly competition, obviously, yeah. but the competition that they have amongst each other, they know what's up for grabs. And I think each one of them, Dakota Hudson has had a very good start his last outing. They all are understanding what this potentially may mean and. You would much rather be starting a playoff game. I think just the the natural uh, athlete competitive competitor in you would much rather be starting a playoff game than coming out of the bullpen, you know, in the fifth or sixth inning to 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 help clean up some things. So I think that those guys are are competing for that right now, and it only makes your team better. Now Jose Quintana has set a Cardinal record by allowing two or fewer earned runs in each of his first nine Cardinal starts. At some point during the postseason, if you win that opening series, you're going to have to pitch Jose Quintana, and I have no qualms about pitching Jose Quintana. We haven't mentioned the X factor, though, and that's Flaherty, right? Yeah. And Flaherty pitched okay to start his last game, but then wore down a little bit. And they just need to—we tend to forget that Jack Flaherty basically is towards the end of spring training here. Mm. And he needs to be— at the top of his game at the start of the playoffs. And if you have to use him out of the bullpen, if he has to be a bridge guy that gives you a couple of innings out of the bullpen, so be it. But I sure would love to be able to count on Jack Flaherty for six innings. And that's why I think the biggest thing you got to look at this series is game two and three in the starters. Miles Michaelis going up against a plus lineup for just like the second or third time since the second half. Again, he can't control who's on the other side, but you do now have to start thinking about how has he looked against better teams. And he, he dodged the Yankees. He dodged the Brewers except for one game. He dodged the Braves. 
Um, he just hasn't gone up against good lineups. So him mm. in game two and then Flaherty in game three. Katie Wu said it with BK and Ferrario last week. Alexa Dat said it here on, on the opening drive yesterday. We need to see that third start from Jack Flaherty to really start criticizing and wondering, is this going to be somebody who can make an impact in October? So those games two and three starts, those are the biggest things really for me over the last month from the Cardinals after the way the offense has played. My, my thing, Rock, with, with Michaelis is, if you aren't playing against good competition, as you said, you should be dominating those guys. So it's it's not a reason. It, it, I don't think it's a good enough excuse. Or he he's not engaged, or he hasn't played against good competition. If you aren't playing against good competition, if that's the the answer, then your your outcome should be much greater than it has been. So I I do want to see. He has a couple of he starts tomorrow night. I want to see what he's able to do. How he's able to go out there against a very good San Diego team mm-hmm. that is going to potentially be a playoff uh, uh, opponent. So you, I want to see what he's doing. How he's how he's pitching. Is he keeping the ball down? Is he you know not allowing big hits or hard hits? I know a couple of those starts. It was just some some. I think the one in Arizona or Colorado a couple about a, about a, about a month ago now. Yeah, was just some C and I singles and some right. soft hit balls that just happened to find you know some empty spaces, but. Uh, I just want to see him go out there and, and and get batters out and not struggle in innings and not have a lot of stressful situations uh, in each inning. Now, we get a text from the 217, give me Matts over Flaherty all day. I, I don't know <laughs> if you can count on six innings out of Steven Matts. I really, I, I, at, he's missed a month and a half. So I, I'm not sure... I don't know. The Cardinals only brought him out of the bullpen for his first major league appearance in a month and a half the other day. I don't know that you can count on Steven Matz for six innings. And right now you're trying to get Flaherty to that point where you can count on him for six innings. Eight-game road trip. I want to see them come home with 91 or more wins. Wainwright and Michaelis getting a rest. That from the 5-7-3. Come home with 91 wins. That'd be pretty good. That would be. That's that's four out of eight. So, yeah. you know, you, you are – but. Again, we want to do more. We want to be able to push, you know, get that get that that magic number all the way down if possible and uh get the Brewers out of here, take care of that business, get 700, take care of that business and then potentially as as the texter said, get Wayno and and Michaelis a day, get another starter in there to to give them an extra day um uh, because I do think a little bit of fatigue is setting in. The amount of innings that those two have pitched this season, uh top 5, top 10 in the league, um it, it, it's becoming a little bit, maybe becoming a little bit stressful on them. So if you can get the get the ninety one wins, ninety two wins, and get them a day off, it would be beneficial. And then this one from the two one seven, and I think this is important. I want to see the outfield get solidified before the playoffs. Yes, we aren't going to see Tyler O'Neill anymore with the hamstring, a grade one hamstring. Don't count on him. So among the outfielders that the Cardinals have. When you look at their upside, and if you could have a group that's playing to their top of their ability come playoff time, I've got Newt Bar in right, yes, and I have Carlson in center. And it's been a long time since we've seen Carlson at the top of mm-hmm. his game, but hopefully this 18 games will be enough, or no, 8 plus 6, that's 14 games, will be enough for Carlson to show the Cardinals that he's capable of doing what they need him to do. Then you're looking at maybe Dickerson, Maybe uh, you're, you're looking at a guy like Alec Burleson out there with the demotion of Nolan Gorman. I think Brendan Donovan's probably your second baseman, yeah. so I don't think he's in left field anymore. Maybe Apez gets an opportunity out there. And, and that that may be it. Maybe that's the reason. They, like I said, they brought him up for his bat, but also an opportunity in that outfield. You know, you know one of them for sure, and, and is Lars. He's played well enough throughout the entire season to, to earn that right to start come playoff time. Is Dylan Carlson, is he the next one? 
Probably. He, if, if 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 you're looking at it, Dickerson, Burleson, Carlson, Carlson is probably in the in center field. And now, you, as you said, left field. I I I may not be as sold on Dickerson as, as other people. I, mm. I need I feel like I need to see a little bit more. Alec Burleson has not been here long enough for you to see enough. And then you got Yepes, who was in the month of June, he was he was hitting. And July mm-hmm. came, but it was also I think he was playing more. In July came, he didn't hit very well. I, I believe it was one one forty nine in the month of July, if I had that correctly. Um, and it just it just didn't go well for him. Right. Um, June was very good. July not so much. But if you get him out there and he's playing well, he still had 11 home runs uh, and hasn't been up since since the, since the end of August and hadn't played since the, since middle of July. So him being back, I think will will help solidify that offense as well. And once the playoffs get here, Albert probably doesn't play against you, Darvish. So you might have Dickerson as your DH, and then a guy like Burleson perhaps in left field or. Uh, find another combination that you think that works with enough left-handed hitting. Kerry, Randy, good to have you with us on the opening drive. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, good to have you with us on 101 ESPN, and it's time for Take It or Leave It. CD, Herm Edwards was fired Sunday. Mm. They said Sunday mm. after the uh, Arizona State mm. Sun Devils uh, lost to Eastern Michigan, and uh, they were sc- scuffling, no doubt, and they have an NCAA investigation going on, no doubt. But now there's video showing that uh, Herm Edwards was actually fired in the end zone by the president and athletic director directly after the game. Take it or leave it, this is bad form. Uh, I'll leave it. I think when you know it needs to be done, don't wait. Get it up for with. Rip the Band-Aid off, man. Do not wait. They could not. Here's the thing, Randy. They couldn't go to sleep one more night knowing that he was still the head coach. Because as you saw the video, I, I, I watched it. It looked like Herm said, "Well, you got to do what you got to do." And and mm-hmm. Pat, you, anytime this is this is my my version or my understanding of body language. Anytime someone gives you a, a soft pat on the back, uh, uh, you know the the they gave him a little pat like, "Hey, you know." I couldn't read his lips because his back was to yeah. me, but I could see Herm. But the body language, patting him on the back, letting him know, "Hey, it's okay. We appreciate it." And and Herm to me, not a great lip reader, but it looked like he mm-hmm. said, "You got to do what you got to do." Yep. And he yeah. That lets you know they, when you are so sick of something you can't stomach it for one more night, they couldn't go to sleep well, on it. And Ray Anderson, the AD, is Herm's That's former what I thought agent. That was. He was. Yeah, I thought that was Ray yeah. Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. So he, I'm sure he was forced by the president to yeah. do it. Yeah. And it's probably one of those things. And like Herm said to him, yeah, he's forced to do it. And Herm said, you got to do what you got to yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to understand that it was, but but for them to say it was done on Sunday when we yeah. all when the video came out. I mean, he came right to the end zone, and they were waiting on him like, hey, <laughs> hand over your keys, hand me your badge. It's been fun. It's been yeah. real. Get all your stuff out tonight. We won't, you, won't, you don't need to be here tomorrow. I would have at least waited until he got into his <laughs> office. 
at least. <laughs> Randy, uh, Yepes is brought up, and as you were as we were talking last segment, still maybe looking for that out that third outf- outfielder, not knowing who who it could be. Take it or leave it. Yepes rakes in the next fourteen games. He's your outfielder starting the playoffs. I'm gonna leave it. Because I don't think that the Cardinals have enough confidence in him to be a defensive outfielder. Even with what we talked about, Goldie and Arenado being your only two guys that you know are are you know solidified in that lineup. Mm-hmm. If if Yepes comes up and has a, a a similar outing to what he did in June, you're still leaving it because you. Where does the offense come from if not those two? You need number five. Well, right, he's going to have to do it. Yeah. Edmund at the top of the lineup. Or Newt Barr at the top of the lineup, and then Edmund lower in the lineup. You're going to need everybody to contribute. I just don't think that you can afford in the playoffs to plug that sort of defense from Yepes in there. He's he's given me no confidence as a corner outfielder. Is he is he Jose Martinez first base bad in the outfield? Yes. Oh Lord. Yeah. He is. <laughs> oh, <well>. sorry. <laughs> sorry, Juan. Love you. Love you, bad. But uh, yeah, he, he as uh, let me put it this way: as a left fielder, he makes for a pretty good DH. Okay, <laughs> all right, I'll take it. <laughs> all right, your text six five seven eight zero Matthew. What do you got? Sorry, I, I love the guy, I respect him, but uh, he's a major league baseball player. Just I don't want him in left field in the playoffs. Play better. Two very conflicting ones here. We'll go right to him. Take it or leave it. Luther Burden stays with Mizzou through his junior year. Um. That's through, a very good question. Through his junior year. So, you know, I'm going to leave it. Uh, is that saying past his junior year or is it saying up until? Through his junior year. So, so after his junior yeah, year. Yeah, so he, it's a potential. I mean, he's going to the NFL. There much, you go. Sure. There's a potential that after his junior year, he could be going to the NFL. Yeah. So let's let's leave it. Not because we think he'll be leaving Mizzou but be, we, to go to another school, but leaving Mizzou to go to the NFL. So I the, think he'll leave Mizzou to go to that, So should I take it? I, I, I don't know. I, I got confused. <laughs> there's, there's no, let's start with this. There's no way he plays a senior year of college football. Right? There's no, 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 no chance. Yeah, he's out of there. So with the way things have gone here through three games, and yes, they did get him a lot of snaps in game two, and they did get him more touches in game three, but is the Mizzou program going to provide him the best opportunity to get to being a number one pick like Jamison Williams was. That, it, man, they're going to have to. Need a quarterback because, first. Y- y- well, nah. they're going to have to give him every opportunity to be the elite receiver, punt returner, kick returner yep. that he is. And the only way you do that is to get the ball in his hands as many times as possible. I said it, you know, a couple of weeks ago where after the, um, after the game in Kansas State, they have to get him the ball 12 to 15 yeah. times a game, whether that's on punt returns, him catching punts and returning those, uh, catches, jet sweeps, running the ball, however you can get the ball in his hands. It needs to be 12 to 15 touches, not targets, touches. Yeah. He has to get the ball that many times in that many different ways because he will have that great of an impact on the game. I just am alarmed, and I know it's a really small sample size. I'm just alarmed by these first three games. But – that's what we do. We overreact to three games. We do. Take it or leave it. Scott Frost is a better football coach than Eli Drinkwitz. Leave it. Oh. You got to leave that. I mean, Scott Frost is not a football coach right now. So. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's not a not a college coach, at least. Not yeah. right now. So, yeah. Leave it. Just going to discredit everything he did at UCF. No, he's not All coaching right, right now. All right, fair no. enough. <laughs> was it really his team, though? That's a fair point. 
It's a fair point. Uh, take it or leave it. Mason Wynn and Tommy Edmond are the starting middle infielders next year with Brendan Donovan as a utility player. Gorman starts the year at AAA. I'm going to leave it. I don't believe Mason Wynn will be in the majors next year. Not at all? Not not at any point? He'll have to really light it up, I would think, at AAA. Okay. Yeah, uh, to just, start the season, I, I'll leave that as well. You can just kind of lean on Cardinal Cardinal history on that one. I mean, yeah. if, if Mason Wynn was starting it with the Major League ba- Baseball team this next spring, then Jordan Walker would be a September call-up. Okay. Like that, hey. that would be the thought process of the organization if they if it was if we're talking about what we'd see. Don't hate me, okay, for this. <laughs> don't hate me because I don't I don't like being hated. But here's what's going to happen. You know this is going to happen, right? You might hate it. But Paul DeYoung is getting another shot at shortstop next year. He's due $9 million. Paul DeYoung is getting another shot at shortstop next year. And Tommy Edmond is going to get relegated to second base. Don't blame me for this, but I guarantee Randy, you that's what's going to happen. Okay. I, I, won't, bl- I won't even ask. I'll just, I, <laughs> $9 okay. million. That's why, Carrie. Okay. <laughs> you, you read my mind. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> you read my mind. Why? Nine million dollars. Okay, thank you, thank you for that, sir. Right. I'm glad you. Got, I'm glad you got out in front of that before the inevitable winter meeting, like you know, shellacking we're going to take on the text line when we don't hold them accountable for uh, not spending gobs of money on Trey Turner. Who else? Take it or leave it. Way ahead of myself, but that's Cardinal Nation hoping for a good first half next year for Tyler, so we can trade him for a starter at the deadline. He can't play 20 games. He can't. He'll never play. 100 games, no bueno. No, no. And it's a shame because I really think that he was reaching a point where not only could he have helped this club this yeah. year, but enhanced his value. Yeah. And not only his value to the Cardinals if they move him, but his value as a player. To himself. For, he's a Scott Boris client yeah. to make money. So it's kind of a shame. It's really a shame that he got hurt again. The the They say the best ability is availability. Mm-hmm. And if you are, you know, always injured, often injured, or, or you know, unable to participate in, in the thing that you do, it's going to be hard to, to, to make a lot of money in this game. It's going to be hard to stay in this game if you can't stay healthy. What's the worst hamstring injury you ever had? Oh, uh, running down on kickoff at Denver. Uh, uh, Blew it up? Oh, oh, oh yeah. I almost, yeah. almost, almost ate it. <laughs> <laughs> kickoff Denver. Uh, so the thing is, it was it – was, Pretty cold. It was a little chilly outside, but the offensive lineman decided to turn off the heaters on the bench. Oh, you know no. those heaters? They they keep you warm. They they were too hot. So uh, my hamstrings were too cold, oh. and so running down on kickoff, uh, I just felt it, it. It felt like it popped, and I tried to hop, jump, skip on one leg oh. to to keep going, but it, it didn't. Nah, I was done. Was there one offensive lineman that you liked to blame for stuff oh, like Willie that? Oh, Willie Colon. It was Willie <laughs> Colon. No question about it. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> Willie turned the dang on bench off and turned the heat off because he was hot. And 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 there you go. I, I can't blame him for my hamstring, but I can damn sure blame, blame him, him for turning blame off him. that bench. Yes, it was Willie. I can't believe you don't you, know, you just don't turn off the heaters. You you so do when you're three hundred pounds. When you're three hundred plus pounds, you turn off the heaters. They were hot. Thanks, Matthew. <laughs> thank you, Randy. I'm so I mean Willie, no thank you. Thanks for your text, six five seven eight oh. All right. So with this outfield right now, who are the people not that you're hoping for, but that you trust right now heading into October? And will can that change over the course of the next couple weeks? That's coming your way on one oh one ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A 
Fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's the opening drive with Kerry Davis and Randy Carricker. And the Cardinals open a six-game road trip, an eight-game road trip tonight, six games on the West Coast and then two in Milwaukee before coming home to wrap up their home season against the Pirates. And then they go on the road for their final three games of the season in Pittsburgh. And then we'll start the playoffs, and perhaps the playoffs will start against the team they're playing tonight, the San Diego Padres. If the playoffs started today, that would not be the case. The Cardinals would play the Phillies, if I'm not mistaken, in round one as the division champions. Right now, Atlanta leads the wild card race, and they're going to win the wild card race. The Padres are second, so the Braves and Padres would play in one wild card series, while the Cardinals and Phillies would play in the other. And the Phillies are only a half game behind. As a matter of fact, they're even in the loss column. So Philadelphia has just as good a chance as San Diego to be the Cardinals' opponent or San Diego has just as good a chance as the Phillies to be the Cardinals' opponent. And Milwaukee is still there, too. Two and a half games behind Philly for the wild card, uh, the last wild card spot. All right, Kerry, so right now, when we were talking about this during the break, you've got uh, you've got Lars Newtbar, you've got Dylan Carlson, you've got Corey Dickerson, you've got Alec Burleson, who they're giving a, a lot of time to, actually, which is is cool. And you, you've got Juan Yepes, who you can play out there if you so desire. It seems to me with the demotion of Nolan Go- of Nolan Gorman to the minors, do you agree with me that Brendan Donovan is your everyday second baseman? Yes. I, yeah. I think that's that kind of takes Donovan out of the mix yeah. for being uh, an outfielder. And then uh, Ben Deluzio is on the roster. I don't know that Ben Deluzio is an everyday player. The Cardinals haven't shown an inclination to give him mm-hmm. the opportunity to be an everyday player. So let's take a look at this. It's it's going to be New Barn right, and it's going to be Carlson in center. Okay, be, yeah, it just makes sense, right? Yes. So if Deluzio is not getting that opportunity, mm-hmm. then we're looking at. I think we're looking at the the rookie. Here we are sitting here on September twentieth, and I think Burleson's probably the favorite to be out there. You think so? Yeah, and, and Corey Dickerson. Certainly will get his opportunities. And against a hard-throwing right-hander, if they're facing Darvish, mm-hmm. I think Dickerson's probably your DH. Got you. That, you, you. Because of what Burleson did in the minors, you you figure at some point he's going to click and translate. It's just the, the number of opportunities. I, what I like about Burleson, what I saw a couple of days ago, he bunted down the third baseline. Loved it. Just an intelligent baseball player. And take what the defense gives you. We talked about it last week when they when they made the decision on banning shifts and all of those things. If you don't like it, hit it the other way. And I think just that that type of intelligence and, and understanding baseball at all levels, I like that about him. The question I asked you off air is, does that Bader trade eventually hurt you? Because obviously at the time, it was it was remarkable. Mm-hmm. You got you got two guys coming in. You got Montgomery who came from the Yankees, but you lost Harrison Bader. But it wasn't a big issue because he was injured, and you mm-hmm. didn't you didn't understand or you didn't really realize the importance or the value of him because he hadn't played. Now he's back healthy, and now you're in this outfield. You thought Tyler O'Neill was going to be you know one of the guys mm-hmm. because of the season he had last year, and 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 you felt like it would come back around at some point this year. 
But now he's on the IL and he's he's got a hamstring strain and, and it feels like every time you look up, there's something wrong, something else going on. Does that Bader trade in the end bite you in the butt? I know it was great for for you know all of July and 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 August and you know all of the but now here we are. Here's my thing. I, I don't think that there's any way it can because you mentioned the Burleson bunt. I can make a run. I can manufacture a run. Right. I, I can take a walk, have a guy steal second, bunt him over to third, hit a sack fly. Not that the Cardinals do that right. because <laughs> why would they Ollie do that? Hates bunting. <laughs> but I, I can find a way to manufacture runs. I can't manufacture pitching. Right. Jordan Montgomery is my best starter. Now I don't think he's my game one starter, but he's my best starter. And if I'm going to win in the playoffs, I need that guy. Yeah. I can get by without Harrison Bader and fill in and. Mix and match. I can't mix and match with a starting pitcher. It doesn't. It doesn't strike a little bit of fear in you in 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 the sense of the outfield play and and obviously you can manufacture a run. You can't. You can't do anything. You have to have great pitching. But when that ball is hit, you know, in in left center, and you need a guy to run it down, you you got to have well, that play. And this is why you you just don't anticipate Tyler O'Neill getting hurt again. Yes, I guess you should. Yes. But the Burleson <laughs> yeah. can play out there. He's a, a pretty decent outfielder, and you've got Carlson, who's a more a be- better than average center defensive mm-hmm. center fielder. So you need those guys to hit. But it, I think I would do that trade ten out of ten times. It was just something that popped in my no, mind because to, it was yeah. so you know at, at the moment you you had an abundance of outfield help, and then now it doesn't. Now you're trying to figure out who's going to play left field. You said Yepes is eh, look shaky yeah. at best. Eh, scares the hell no. out of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna, it's the old Chris Duncan thing. It's the old, the late great Chris Duncan. Make a couple errors in the World Series, and all of a sudden you're defensive liability. <laughs> or, no, he didn't say that. Drop a couple, drop a couple balls in the World Series. That's what, that's what he said. Yeah. I think you guys are just overlooking, you know, the, the, the Bo Hart and the Scott Spezio factor that is Ben DeLuzio. I mean, come on, he's killing it out there in center field. If you would have pulled that that homer, that homer uh, actually fair, he, he would have had a, you know a second hit in his Major League Baseball career. I mean, I think you guys are just, you know. The, the gritty, gutty, white guy factor of the St. Louis Cardinals here coming up in October. Let's not let's not overlook it. <laughs> I think I think Ben is going to get on the base pass when when one of those guys get a hit, so yeah. you can so you can pinch run. Yeah, I, I he, would he's think got so. very good speed. Yeah, we let him do that. So it's really hard to answer the question here. It's hard for me to come up with three outfielders that I trust and say, okay, that's a playoff outfield, that's a World Championship outfield. But that being said, CD. If you look at the fact that the Dodgers are playing a guy like Trace Thompson in the outfield a lot, if you look at the fact that the Yankees have played a bunch of guys that you've never heard of, every team is dealing with issues somewhere in their lineup. Every team is. Maybe not Houston, but every Mm -hmm. other team is. So there are going to be opponents that you play, if you're the Cardinals, where they have a lineup that you don't trust everybody. Yeah. You guys, I'm looking at the text line, and, and there's a text that says from the three one four. Come on, man, Lars has been sucking. He should, he's not an everyday option, and, so, and he's fourth or fifth outfielder at best. Okay, so give me the option. That would be my question. <laughs> Who you got? Yeah, because Lars is going to start in right field. We 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 solidified that. I, I he's not a fourth or fifth option. He's a guy that. He's got to go out there because he's he's shown it. Mm-hmm. His bat has played, and, and again, you always want more. But he's done well in the outfield. You know, had had some outfield assists, some some big throws, and and you know, throwing guys out. If he's your fourth or fifth option, sir or ma'am, who is who is one, two, and three? Right. 
Carrie, with uh, apologies to Rick Pitino. Carlos Beltrani walking through that door. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It's just not happening. Not happening. Uh, that's Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Coming up on Friday, we got into the gambling realm with our little game of Over Under. We're going to tell you how we did next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We played a little game of over-under with our numbers from FanDuel because, hey, we always think we're good at this stuff, but we wanted to make sure that we were good, and what we found out is... <laughs> so, um, Matthew has the results of uh, what we did on Friday. Matthew, what do we got? Let's start with college football. College football, well, we're, we're NFL fans in, in the room, I think, is what happens. <laughs> this, is what, this is what happens. Or, no offense to our, our respective well, uh, programs. Listen, it was, it was, a, it was, a not, it was an okay weekend for Mizzou. Let me throw this weekend for there. Illinois. Great weekend for Randy's alma mater. Yeah, this is important to know. And if you're a gambler, you already know. Or if you're in our business, you know. But you might not pay attention to gambling. Vegas is really, really, really good. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I mean, they, they they build new buildings, seems like, every other day, yeah. right? They, yeah. they, there's yeah. a reason for that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I think they do pretty well. Yeah, Vegas is, is just ri- freaking ridiculous at what they do. And it was crazy. I think we had three of our lines that we chose. Listen, there's hundreds of lines. Mm-hmm. Three of our lines that we chose were literally it hit within a point mm-hmm. or a point and a half. Just, just shows you, man, the way that Vegas is able to cap these ones and get them that close. Amazing. It was incredible. So we didn't do great in college football. Randy and Kerry both put up a 2-4 and four record across college football. Everyone was wrong on Georgia, South Carolina. Most of us were wrong. Now, on- Georgia, South Carolina, the over-under was 55 and a half. And it was. We, we both thought over? they would go over, and the total was 55. Well, guess why? <laughs> South Carolina didn't do their part. No, they didn't. Georgia, they would. Georgia yeah. did pretty well. Yep. So the next one, BYU and Oregon. We both figured under. The over-under was 58 and a half. The total was 61. Nah. See, that's Vegas for you. <laughs> They're just so good. And then we had over-under with Kansas and Houston. I was the one who was the – I was a Debbie Downer on this one, I think, um, because I was just down on Kansas. But you guys split that one, and honestly, you, you that one could have gone either way. I, I definitely didn't see Kansas winning the one the way they did. Hate to say it, but look Don't, out for Kansas. God, <laughs> might be my yeah. – Sorry, Rock Mr. Put Mizzou. his head down. <laughs> It, it pains him. Well, out on the West Coast, they went under between USC and Fresno State. Also, uh, kind of an under little factory there. Jordan Addison, uh, yeah, Jordan Addison caught just one touchdown pass. He had, it, he had it early too. It was after the first drive. He had yeah, a touchdown right. pass, mm. and I could not believe he didn't get a second one in there. So uh, on that one, we all went good with USC covering that twelve and a half. They did that one easily, but no one got the Jordan Addison one right. And uh, Carey was the only one who called the USC game under correctly on that one. Hey, man, look at you! Look at that! You guys went two and four. I went three and three in college football. All so right, we'll call, right. Me, we'll call me the college football expert on the <laughs> show over here. So unfortunately, let's move to the pros. Yeah, unfortunately, I got I got I got beat up uh, in the pros. You guys were quite impressive. In fact, Kerry Davis, right off the bat, I'm not even gonna have to say what Kerry did for these first five six games because he got all of them right. That's all you need to know. Washington in Detroit, that game went over. It was an awful. 
offensive fest over there. Not a lot with not a lot for uh, Terry McLaurin, unfortunately for my fantasy team. But Curtis Samuel and that Washington offense put up some points, but unfortunately the Detroit Lions put up a ton of points. I'm on Ross St. Brown setting some records. The fighting Dan Campbell's big yeah. over went over by 14 and a half. The over under was 48 and a half. Uh, the total was 63. Carrie, you had them going over. I had them going under 48 and a half. So I'm going to uh, start looking at the fighting Dan Campbell's. Carrie <laughs> no. also got the under on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints. Correct on that one. We also had a prop bet from that game. Both quarterbacks throwing three plus touchdowns. Obviously, they went under. They did not throw those touchdowns. Carrie Davis, you did great. You were... I lost a couple of Mike Evans touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I lost sure. a couple of Mike Evans touchdowns. <laughs> You'll so lose a couple Brady. this week, too. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one did go under. And then just the most yeah, under game, thirty points. The most under game of uh, of the day, really. New England Patriots versus Carries Pittsburgh Steelers. We all called under on that one, and uh, the the young quarterbacks did not disappoint. Well, I yep. guess for us, they didn't disappoint. No, they well, they disappointed. Yeah. All right, one of them <laughs> specifically. Not if you have we, money on it, though. Yeah, if you if you're smart and you see it coming, yeah, that's what you got to roll with. And then Arizona and Vegas. That one went high scoring, big over from the forty one point five that it was put in Vegas. No, it was fifty one. Oh, half. sorry, fifty one and a half. Excuse me. So me it was close. Ra- me and Randy actually both picked the over on that one. I like that call. Sorry, Carrie. Uh, that was, that was, or sorry, me and Kerry uh, picked that one. Sorry, yeah, I had, that was the uh, that was another one that Randy. You, you had a slow start on the over unders. Right. It was the, the total that Vegas had was fifty one and a half according to FanDuel Sportsbook. They they scored fifty two together, and had had, had the uh, <laughs> the Cardinals. Uh, sorry, the Raiders not allow Kyler to to do his thing at the end of the fourth defense. One guy play defense, please, just one. He would that that is the infuriate. That that's what drives people mad oh, yeah. when they're betting. When you see something like this happen, and then you're like, okay, don't get the two point conversion. Oh my God, he got the two yeah, point. I, now you know with no time on the clock. Oh, I guess man. that's what we call a bad beat. Bad so beat for sure. That's yeah. three bad beats so far for Randy, who went eight and six despite having three bad beats. That's not too, too bad. Let's close it out here. Sunday Night Football, Bears at Packers. The over-under there, excuse me, was 41.5 in that game. And it went under and Kerry Davis called that so, one. I thought we'd see a little bit more from the Packers in that one. You got to know who they're playing. The Bears, they are who we thought they were. Mm-hmm. They are struggling offensively. That Cole Komet has not caught a pass yet. That's unbelievable. That, he's supposed to be one of the best tight ends in the league. He hasn't even, he has, I don't, he's been targeted. He hasn't caught one yet. I know this because I have him on two fantasy teams, <laughs> and it says 0.00 each time for the last two weeks. So, yeah, Cole Komet might be getting fired from my team. Just saying. This next one was just one of the three bets that we all went correct on. Randy picked some great line bets. The USC minus 12 and, uh, minus 12 and a half. We already got that in college. Mm-hmm. All of us picked Packers minus 9.5. They cleared that one. So, great job, Randy, picking the line on Thank that you. one. We all cleared that one pretty easily. And then it was the prop bets. We already said that none, nobody cleared the Tom Brady and Jameis Winston won. Luckily, both Kerry and Randy said that they wouldn't do that. I lost that one. And the other prop bet was Aaron Rodgers still owning the Bears. Three-plus TDs against the Bears was plus 175. He did not get that. Me and Randy both uh, did not think they would. They kept it on the ground. A.J. Dillon in not really a big game, but nonetheless, they kept it on the ground. Not a lot of scoring there in that game. And so uh, we cleared that one, Randy. The NFL records for everybody, 6-3 and three for Randy Carricker, 7-2 and two for Kerry Davis, a total of 9 
nine and six for Kerry, eight and seven for Randy through both the college football and NFL slates. Do we need to put this on a board so we can yes, keep track we of this for, for the we entire do. season? Yeah. yeah. And we, the Derek, Derek Carr touchdown passes everybody got, right? That was the over under was one and a half, and we all figured he'd go over, and he threw two. Yeah. So we got the Derek Carr touchdown passes too. So there you have it. Not too uh, bad. We're, hey, FanDuel Sportsbook, we're coming at you. We're coming. We're, we're going to we, get we're your ready. money. Yeah. Just yeah, say, don't, hey. don't, don't, don't. <laughs> Proceed with caution. <laughs> so, hey, stay above fifty percent. That's that's all that matters. That's how they, they, listen, that's how they, they that's how they reel you in, and then next thing mm. you know, you're outside with a with a you know looking for for some help from some handouts because you you bet all your money on some some prop bets. No, you always win. And you, by the way, you get a thousand dollars in free. There bets. you go. You always so win. Take advantage of those. <laughs> and you can follow me. What I'm going to start doing, which is I'm going to start turning all of our our runs into parlays. And seeing Let's what, do that. seeing what happens, so that we have, we have some fun little. Uh, I guess these would have been fifteen leg parlays this week. I'm going to put like 15, 50 cents a dollar parlays down. That way it calculates it. And if we hit big, then the opening drive's eating nice. There yeah. you go. I like that. The fight is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Good morning and welcome into the opening drive. And we are, it is time for the fight, Rocky. And, and yesterday, our good friend John, who's joining us again today, beat up on me. How are you doing this morning, John? I'm oh, doing all right, Carrie. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm licking my wounds, but I'm doing okay. I went and got my big brother, and now you got to fight him, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not. Not looking forward to it. Well, good luck. I think you'll do well. Good good luck. Here we go. You ready? Yes, sir. All right, John. Last season, which AL catcher broke Johnny Bench's record for home runs by a catcher? Was it Yasmani Grandal, Mike Zanino, or Salvatore Perez? Yeah, let's go with uh, Perez. On this day in 1987, Walter Payton set the NFL career rushing touchdowns record. Who currently holds that record? Is that Marshall Falk, LaDainian Tomlinson, or Emmett Smith? There we'll go, LT. All right, John. Who was the first Celtics head coach not named Red Arbach to win the title for the Celtics? Was it Dave Cowens, Bill Russell, or Casey Jones? Yeah, let's go with Russell. And... Who on this day in MLB history, September twentieth, is the latest that somebody has taken a four hundred uh, batting average into a season. The last time somebody took a four hundred batting average this late into a season, it was September twentieth. So, the last MLB player to carry a four hundred or better batting average to this date on September twentieth in an MLB season was who? Was that Ichiro, George Brett, or Tony Gwynn? Hey, I'll go each year on that. All right. Double check the scores here. All right. And I do not have Randy Carricker in my sightline, Kerry. So, uh, oh, he's right there. Hey, he wave, wave to him. Wave hey, to him. Hey, John, how you feeling? Give him a big wave. Give him a big wave. John, how you feeling? No, oh, not not great with uh, <laughs> Megan Mine coming in, but we'll see what happens. 
Listen, people have done much worse. I'll, yes. I'll put it that way. People yes. have done much worse on this uh, on on the fight than you did today. You got it. You got a chance. You got you, you're 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 in there. You got a chance, Randy. No, I can- Randy, say hello to John. John beat me up yesterday, so Randy, I, I had to go get reinforcement. I brought you brought you back in because clearly I I, I went over yesterday. So help me out, John. Don't do that to my buddy Kerry Davis here. Oh, Randy, I know. Take care of me today. (laughs) By the way, Chris Kerber is in the building. The first Blues broadcast is coming up on Saturday night, so he's doing the opening billboards for Blues broadcasts. Unbelievable. The the Blues are here, and we've got a broadcast for you on Saturday night here on 101 ESPN. In fact, I think I can tell you, uh, let's see, Coyotes pregame at 6 p.m. There you go. Just had to look at the screen. (laughs) Find it. You ready? ready? Ready. All right. Last season, which AL catcher broke Johnny Bench's record for home runs by a catcher? So, an American League catcher broke the career record? Season. Season record. Season record. For home runs by a catcher, which would have been like 38-ish before. Um, I don't remember the guy's name. Well, let me double check here just to make sure. Um, so I'll, I'll just do the lifeline quick so that it right. save time. Yasmani Grandal, Mike Zanino, or Salvatore Perez? Salvi. It was Salvi. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking another guy. I was thinking Max Kepler. But yeah, Salvi hit 40. On this day in 1987, Walter Payton set the NFL career rushing touchdowns record. Who currently holds that record? The all-time rushing touchdowns record I believe that along well hold on did Peterson break it I was thinking Emmett but I think I'll rushing touchdowns let me just uh, think through this Um, I'll go 87. It's it's a coin flip for me between Emmett and Adrian Peterson. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to say that Adrian Peterson broke it. All right, Randy, who was the first Celtics coach, head coach not named Red Auerbach to win a title for the Celtics? Bill Russell. And who was the last major league player to carry a 400 or betting, better batting average to this date in an MLB season, September 20th? The latest anyone's ever taken it since Ted Williams. Okay, again, I don't think that Gwynn was ever over 400 on this date. I believe George Brett was. He finished at 390. So, I think I'll, like, uh, 1980-ish, maybe. Hmm. I'll go George Brett. Sometimes you just have to stand stare in awe and wonder. This was an incredibly close fight. I cannot believe how close this one ended up being. John put up an incredible run. This was round two for him. Going up against Mega Mountain for his second round of the of his run. He got to beat Kerry in round one. This was an incredible fight. Sorry, Kerry, I had I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to take that shot. Okay. I promise <laughs> you. Appreciate it. Promise you it wasn't it wasn't intended that way. We won't never need to say the score ever again. What was the score in today's run between the fight and could Randy take down John? 
and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. That was that was impressive. I'm sorry, John. Randy took you down three to two. He jumped in on that last one, the George Brett answer, and he took you down again three to two. That was an impressive display, John. But again, it, it, that's mega mind for you. Yeah, that's why he's the best. <laughs> that's why he's the best. Absolutely. Good job, John. Thanks so much for joining us, John. Let's go through the answers here. Last season, which AL catcher broke Johnny Bench's record? I'm surprised Randy had to use the, the lifeline for this one. Salvatore Perez hit 48 and broke Johnny Bench's record. I just didn't want to go through all season. the teams. There you go. <laughs> On this day in 1987, Walter Payton set the career NFL rushing TD record. It was broken pretty shortly there by Emmett Smith, and he has not relinquished it yet. Okay. Damian Tomlinson is second. On that list, who was the first Celtic head coach not named Red Auerbach to win a title for the Celtics? It was, of course, Bill Russell. Took over for him and won one pretty quickly and on this date is the latest date somebody has held 400 since Ted Williams hit it and it was in fact George Brett in 1980 who woke up on September 20th with a 400 batting average he would go 0 for 4 later that day dropping his average below 400 he would never get it back up but impressive job there by Randy who didn't need the lifeline for a trivia question from 1980 <laughs> does he ever I mean he's just you and you were right there. If, if you would have got the 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 choices for the uh, second the Walter one, Payton yeah. one, you would have got that one too because yeah. Adrian Peterson wasn't on the list. So hmm. yeah. it'd have been just, easy. I, <laughs> you were like, I don't want to go too quick, guys. I, I don't want to go through team by team. So give me the options for the for the trivia questions that, uh, that's eight months old. The one that's forty one years old. I got this off the top of my head. Don't worry. <laughs> Insane, but that's Randy Carricker. Just another edition of the fight that that, that shocks and awes. Great job. And teaches a little bit. I got a question for you, Randy. Yes, sir. Will we ever see 400 this late ever again? No. Is it never again? No, because teams don't care about it. They don't require that. And so I I think we only have like seven or eight guys in Major League Baseball right now that are above 300. Yeah. Because baseball doesn't care about that anymore. And I don't think we'll get to a point again where teams will care enough about it to have a guy. And players, if teams don't care about it, players aren't going to care about it. Yeah. There's currently 11, and the closest right now is Freddie Freeman at 329. Yeah, so I don't think we're even going to get close. Uh, That is Kerry. That is Matthew. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, it's Tuesday after week three of the NFL season. NFL news and notes coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for some NFL news and notes on 101 ESPN. And Trey Lance underwent surgery yesterday. They said it was successful surgery. He's still alive, so I guess it was, for a broken ankle. And Trey Lance will miss the season. And Jimmy Garoppolo takes over as the 49ers quarterback. CD, I think that the 49ers' chances of getting to and winning a Super Bowl increased when Trey Lance got hurt and Jimmy Garoppolo took over. Yeah, getting him back in the fold. Uh, you know, how how fortunate is it for the 49ers to be able to keep him around? There was, uh, you know, so much... So many things going on this offseason where there were talks of him not being there, that he was going to be traded. They were never able to work out a deal to remove him or get him up out of there. And you just so happen to have him there when your starting quarterback goes down with a broken ankle and out for the season. Good for the 49ers. Not good for Trey, obviously, but for the 49ers to have a, a quarterback, a backup quarterback who was once your starting quarterback. And, oh, by the way, took you to two NFC Championship mm-hmm. games and a Super Bowl. And, oh, by the way, if he succeeds in his new contract, cannot be tagged. Oh, did, that, did yeah, they put that, that in his – oh, That's awesome. So he's going to get paid. If, if he performs well, 
he's going to get paid. And and I think there was a, a something in the contract where it's two hundred fifty thousand per start mm-hmm. if he plays twenty five percent of the plays, and then a hundred thousand per win. Yeah. So he has a he he's a happy guy. He, he's a very happy guy. The San Francisco did not expect to have to pay that out. I'm sure. CD, I want to put the first two weeks of the Bills in perspective. Last year, the Tennessee Titans were the number one seed in the AFC. Last year, the Los Angeles Rams won the Super Bowl. The Bills have beaten those two teams by a combined score of 72-17. to 72-17 against the number one seed in the AFC and the Super Bowl champs. As I said earlier today, they've punted. They finally punted this season. They didn't punt in the first game. Four of the last six games, they didn't punt. Uh... Offensively, they are rolling. <laughs> to not punt in an NFL game is is just is wild because those are NFL players on the other side of the ball, mm-hmm. and to not have to punt to be able to be that efficient to score or or get field goals at the end of possessions, it, it's it's mind blowing that they are that good right now. Now, tell me your opinion as a player. Is there anybody on that offense besides Allen and Diggs that are great? I think Gabe Davis is very good. I don't know if he would say he's great. The The running game is is by committee. James Cook led, led the team in rushing mm-hmm. yesterday with 53 yards. Devin Singletary is, has been, been you know, up and down. I, no. I don't think so either. It's just, though, Dawson Knox is a very nice good player. tight end. Nice player. But I don't think you would say he's great. Um, you it's, know, a, it's a tribute to Josh Allen. It is, and 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 to the kids out there, Josh Allen, I think, had one offer for for college coming out of high school. Stick with it, work your butt off, and I don't know if you'll be the next Josh Allen, but don't quit. You you, you get an opportunity to be one of the best players in the league because he just stuck with it, and he is he is awesome. He is great, and Stephon Diggs is amazing <laughs> as well. You throw. <laughs> His routes are, are – he breaks DBs down like nothing I've ever seen. One of the luckiest things that ever happened was when Antonio Brown said, I'm not going to Buffalo. Nah. Remember when he got <laughs> – yeah. it was a done deal. He was yep. traded to Buffalo. He said, nope, I'm not going. And then they pivoted and they traded for Diggs instead. Yeah. And, and I'm sure Diggs is happy to be, you know, not, get away from, from uh, – Kirk Cousins and, and yeah, get right. to Josh Allen. It definitely helps your career. What are you talking about? He looked. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Good news this morning. Bills quarterback Dane Jackson has been released from the hospital. His head was bent back last night completely. His, the back of his helmet basically touched his back on a play in that game against the Titans, but. He never did lose movement of his extremities and was released from the hospital this morning. And he'll play again. He'll probably play next week. Yeah, I mean, just the you know the 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 amount of strength and in, in, in our in, in football players' necks and their shoulders and all those things definitely help uh, with injuries like that. Just happy to see that he was able to go to the hospital and be released um, and had movement and everything. You saw after the hit, he was moving his legs and moving his hands. You always are are happy to see that. They're going to take precautions and, and cart him off and make sure he gets goes through all of the tests. Um, but like you said, he might be a little bit sore today, <laughs> very sore, potentially play this weekend. And if not this week, probably next week. Kerry, you said earlier the Broncos stink. They've been assessed <laughs> four delay of game penalties already this season. They had the miscue in the field goal try in their opener on that Monday night game uh, against Seattle and wound up losing that game. Yesterday, Nathaniel Hackett in his post-mortem on Monday said, 
quote, we've got to make sure the communication is clear and concise. I need to do better making decisions faster and quicker and getting that information to the quarterback. It's got to improve. What have you been doing as an assistant? Your, your dad, Paul Hackett, was not great, but he was a head coach <laughs> at multiple levels. Why have you not been paying attention to what needs to happen on the sidelines during a game? I think when you when you become a head coach, there are so many other things that are going around, going on around you, and you have to just really lock into to what's taking place. You cannot be the play caller and not get plays in in time, have delay games, not be decisive in making in-game decisions, kick the field goal, go for it mm-hmm. on fourth down. You have to be ready to rock and roll as a play caller. You have to be able to make all of those decisions in a timely fashion so that you can get the play called, so you can get your offense lined up, so you can audible if need be because of because of what you're seeing from the defense. And right now, I don't think they're clicking on all cylinders. Um, they aren't <laughs> They aren't throwing the ball particularly well, which is a surprise for the for the Broncos, I'm sure, because they expected to may have an upgrade from Drew Locke to, to Russell Wilson when he got there, and it has not been that much of an upgrade at this point. So they're going to have to figure some things out and play better. Do you think that that's something that during a season a coach can figure out? It seems like if he needs a clock coach or if he needs a decision coach up in the box – then get him up there. I've always thought that it would be a good idea, for at the very least, to have a clock management guy upstairs to help you out if, you, if you're that inexperienced. Calling plays is a, is a rhythm thing. And, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, Nathaniel Hackett has been an OC in the past, and so he should not mm-hmm. have this issue. I think it's just the fact that calling plays – and now being the head coach and having all of these all of this information being given to you at one time you may lose focus on on the thing that is taking place in that moment and if you're calling plays you have to be on schedule on time you got to get you have to be on schedule with your first down plays making sure that you're getting yards not getting second and 12 second and 15 but you also have to be cognizant of the play clock is running down. They're doing this to us defensively. I need to know what the coverage is versus this down and distance versus this formation. And all of those things are, are taking place as you're trying to maybe listen to the D coordinator, mm-hmm. t- talk to you. Hey, back up. Give me a second. Let me do this, and then I'll get to you. They have to. He has to figure that out because the, the, the Broncos, as I said earlier, stink yeah. right now. Uh, the, the Houston Texans ain't good. And they were they were tied for a large portion of that game, and and then up nine to six at one point. They, the the Broncos are stinking it up right now, so they got to figure some things out. When the Giants, I think when the Giants hired Ben McAdoo from the Packers, he'd been their offensive coordinator. But as you know, Mike McCarthy called plays there, and Lafleur does now. But this was when McCarthy was there. So Ben McAdoo gets hired as the coach of the Giants, and he's calling plays as the head coach, and he's got an accent that. Eli Manning can't understand. <laughs> Remember this story? <laughs> so he's calling him plays, and Eli Manning can't understand him because he's got this weird accent. That is tough. So now you need to either fix, you know, talk clearer so the quarterback can hear. Because, listen, if the quarterback doesn't know what it is, we, <laughs> we got a whole different set of issues mm-hmm. on our hand. We can't get the playoff, let alone get people lined up correctly. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I've seen I've seen Waterboy. You're telling me Eli, Eli Manning figured out some of those. Well, they all have the same background the in, okay, in Waterboy. So. That's the difference. So. I just how do you not figure out other people's accents? That's insane. Well, yeah, especially if you're Eli Cajun. You know, right, you, I'm you, saying you've dealt with something, the most yeah. difficult accent in America to figure out, and, and and this one is tripping you up. Come on now. To this day, I still have a hard time understanding what Coach O was saying. Oh, <laughs> I love go it. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> and finally, the. 
Buccaneers are going to be without Mike Evans this week. He's been suspended for a game. Colesby, Cole Beasley out there as a free agent had, has had some good moments for the Cowboys and Bills over the years. And so the Buccaneers are signing Cole Beasley to be on their roster for next Sunday's game as a target for Tom Brady. They are, I mean, you go from Mike Evans last season. This is just last season. Mike Evans, mm-hmm. Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and now you got and Gronk. And Gronk. All right, let me, <laughs> I forget about him. So now Evans is going to miss this game. Godwin is out due to a hamstring mm-hmm. issue. He was last week. I don't know what this week will look like. Julio Jones, who is up there in age, no Gronk. And you got a who's who that he's throwing. And, and, and Randy, the offensive line is Ooh. beat up. Yeah. The center is out for the year. The left tackle missed last week with an elbow issue. He's 45. It's going to be a rough season for him if he doesn't have people to throw the ball to and he doesn't have people to protect him. Yeah. Otherwise, the offense will be great. Yeah, it'd be great then, right? <laughs> I mean, you, 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 need a new wide, you need a wide receiver. You lost somebody's suspension. You have injuries. I say take a shot with the guy. With Cole Beasley? <laughs> I like it. Uh, well, done. Well, well done. Well done. Uh, and those Randy, are your NFL news and notes. I've been taking notes, Randy. I'm learning from the best over there. I love it. I like that one. Coming up next, what's the biggest thing you're watching for as the Cardinals embark on this eight-game road trip down the stretch of the 2022 season? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. Nine oh three in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Before we get to the Cardinals and this road trip, a little public service announcement for you that I was Carrie and Matthew about. So yesterday, before I went to my golf tournament, I was at Mobile on the Run and came out, head down, looking at my phone, walking to my Honda Pilot, my white Honda Pilot. Get to a white Honda Pilot, open the door. There's a guy sitting in the seat. This whoop, 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 wrong car. So sorry, close the door. I was two spots down, and I have an identical <laughs> white. Under- I, I went to another car and opened the door. <laughs> Shout out to that guy for being. He, he yeah, has whoop, no whoop. idea. No, he thought who, I was who, robbing him. Yeah, he has no idea who, yeah. who accidentally <laughs> opened his door. Hopefully, hopefully he's listening. <laughs> I can't believe I did it. Well, I can. I wasn't paying attention. But I guess that kind of thing probably happens all the time. It's not the first time that ever I've gone to a car that I thought was mine and tried to open the yeah. door, but usually that it's car locked. is empty and it's locked. Yeah. This the car was running. <laughs> guy was sitting in it, working on his computer. So, yeah. The car was running? We got to keep, oh, yeah. keep your head up, Randy. You got to you you yeah. pay attention. That phone my... is a dangerous thing when you're looking down. Listen, looking down and walking and not paying attention to what's yeah. in front of you, it the, the the opening the wrong door was not the worst thing that could have happened. That's true. <laughs> no, you're right. Randy, you learned, though, if you wanted to, you could get, like, 95% into a mugging before most people even, like, you know, suspect you. That's true, yeah. yeah you can get well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, people aren't seeing you coming. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, yeah, I apologize, sir. 
if uh, oh. I, I worried you or scared you. <laughs> I didn't close the door in a hurry, though. Oh, this is my car. Not my car. So tonight, uh, the Cardinals will send Adam Wainwright to the mound against Mike Clevenger of the Padres. Then Michael and Snell tomorrow night, and that's also an 8.40 start. And then an afternoon game on Thursday, 3.10 St. Louis time. Jack Flaherty will pitch in Southern California. He's from L.A., and he'll go against Joe Musgrove. That was supposed to be Manaya, the left-hander. Mm. Now they're going with the right-hander. And then the Cardinals will head off to L.A. and play an Apple TV game. Boy, that would be terrible if uh, if Pujols would hit number 700 on an Apple TV game. Not that Apple TV is bad, but many people can't get or don't know how to get or have the wherewithal to get Apple TV, and I don't want it to happen. You have a Friday night game, right? I don't... We actually play Saturday. Okay, so good. So maybe I, I, Friday night. Be yeah, right. Friday night, you know. Okay, uh, Alexa said yesterday it's going to be probably a, a large subscription of Apple TV for Friday so. night and then Saturday morning, pss, cut Cancel. it off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you can get it free. It's just a hassle sometimes yeah. to, to get in and, and start watching. You know what? Apple TV seems like a great venue for six ninety nine. Clayton Kershaw seems like a great pitcher to hit 700 off of him. Just uh. Just saying. Okay, good. I like it. I, let's, just, let's, let's roll with that. It happens against the Dodgers, yeah. though, yes? I would think so, yeah. It, you, yeah. You believe, I mean, you're going to get three three lefties. Mm-hmm. Start, yeah. start, start Three lefty starters. Yeah. But well, I mean, Albert is a great too. one, right? What? Yeah. What are you talking about? What, yeah. what are you doing? So, <laughs> the, the thing is, the, the Cardinals didn't have the homestand that they wanted to have. Now, it was against lesser teams. This is the first time in a long time that the Cardinals have seen a good team. The last time was Atlanta, right? The Braves series. Well, I guess you could call Milwaukee. Milwaukee, they went one and one. Nah. But now you're seeing the Padres. Okay. Nah. Let's leave Milwaukee. <laughs> no, no, to your point, though, I, 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 to your point, though, that's really they've had four series in the second half against good teams. They went 3 and 0 against the Yankees, they went 2 and 1 against the Brewers, mm-hmm. they went 2 and 1 against the Braves and then and then they went 1 and 1 against the Brewers. So, all in all in the second half, they're 8 and 3 against, you know, potential mm-hmm. above 500 and or playoff teams. So, they've stepped it up here in the second half. It's just there's only there's only four series to talk about when you bring it down to the, that, you know, qualifier. And you're playing six against what should be playoff teams. Yeah. And when you get to the playoffs, what you have to do in a seven-game series is go four and three. So if they can go three and three in these and set themselves up so that if there was a seventh game, they would have a chance to win it, I'd be happy with that. I'm I'm fine with the Cardinals either going two and one against the Padres and one and two against the Dodgers or one and two against the Padres and two and one against the Dodgers. And I would like it better, obviously, if they go four and two, five and one, yeah. or six and oh. <laughs> yeah. But I will be fine with them going three and three in these half dozen games because I think they're they're penned in in Sharpie as the number three seed. I think it, it depends on how it looks though. If it's competitive and, and it's a three and three, you know, you're 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 battling. But if you're just getting smoked and and you know not playing or performing well, you know, errors in the field or, you know, pitching isn't great, then that's some cause for concern. But if it if it looks good and you're you're battling and, you know, you you're two one going into the eighth and ninth inning, okay. We we we're battling our butts off. You may complain about the hitting at that point and then you gotta figure out who else is gonna who else is gonna perform at the plate. But um Four and two for me feels a little bit better. Three and three is okay if it if it looks okay. If it's if we're not hit if we're not getting any hits and we're getting blown out and, and we're just not performing well, then that, that will be the problem. And the other thing on a more micro level that I want to see aside from the record, 
I, I want to see Michaelis pitch well against a good team. I want to see Jack Flaherty continue to ascend against a good team. And I want to see how Jordan Montgomery pitches against the Dodgers because at some point, if the Cardinals are going to do everything that we want them to do, Jordan Montgomery is going to have to pitch well against the Dodgers. Yes. So I want to see how he fares against them. I, I like Jordan. I think I Jordan too. is a competitor. I think he's one of those guys that, that you know, give me the ball, get out of my way, and doesn't probably not a, a big talker, but let his, lets his actions do more of the talking than anything else. I think another big one, we talked about, you know, seeing the pitchers against good teams. Corey Dickerson, suffice it to say, his our, our conversations around Corey Dickerson have been very up and down uh, this season. But his second half, he's been dominating. And in September and August, he, that's that's he's been one of the best players offensively for the Cardinals, not named Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arenado. So you go back and look at when he started hitting. It was after the Yankees series. He didn't hit very well in either the Brewers series. He didn't hit too great, not too terribly, against the Braves. So... Can Corey Dickerson, who's having such a strong second half, can he now kind of right the ship here in September and have a couple big games be part of the offense against good pitching? That's something I want to see because it's great to see it, but if it's not going to matter in October, then what does the last month and a half really matter? You need to have three middle-of-the-order impact bats, and you aren't getting Tyler O'Neill back. So maybe Corey Dickerson can be that guy. Maybe Brendan Donovan can be that guy. Maybe... Alec Burleson can be that guy. Maybe you have that guy and you just haven't seen it yet. Oh, by the way, we should note that you need three impact bats, but they all need to be hitting two. In the last two weeks, Nolan Arenado, a 650 OPS with one home run in 53 plate appearances, and Paul Goldschmidt. And yes, we're spoiled by Paul Goldschmidt, but Goldie's last four days, uh, or last four, 14 games rather, He's struggled in much of the same fashion uh, with an OPS just over 700. So he needs, both of the, the big boys need to hit for you. I have no worries that they will. I just would like to see them get going with, before you play Pittsburgh, I, I would like to see those guys get going again. The Goldie numbers, by the way, over the course of the last 14 days, 735 OPS and one home run in 50 plate appearances. They need to get going. Yep. And and you know now no no time better than right now. They they because of the series that they're going into, the, the teams that they're playing against, playoff teams, um, potentially you know matchups at some point during these playoffs. Uh, you and and the and the team relies so heavily on them at the plate. Arenado is is making some plays in the field that are you know <laughs> you you can't even describe that them. Play sometimes. over the weekend was the best play by a third baseman I've ever seen. And, and that's and that and and no, just coming from you that says a lot because you've seen a lot of baseball and to see that play and then to see the Cardinals have a similar situation where our runner understands mm-hmm. getting the baseline and not and get hit by the ball and not allow the bat, the the ball to make it to home plate. He's doing such a great and outstanding job in the field, and we need him to do that at the plate as well and continue to to you know get back hot right now uh, heading into this playoffs and especially in these two series because, like I said, I don't want – I'm the type of person, Randy, I don't want those teams to even feel comfortable or feel like they have an, a, a chance to compete with us, you know, come, come next month. So 
if you go out there and beat them up in their own home stadiums, it definitely sets a seed, plants a seed in their head that says, oh, this is a tough team. We're gonna, they're going to be a tough out uh, should we have to play them in the playoffs. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head to San Diego. Our buddy Mike Claiborne, who did a ton of play-by-play over the weekend, will join us as the Cards get ready to take on the Padres, and we'll talk to Mike on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Gary Davis, Randy Carriker, the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And we head out to the West Coast, and Mike Claiborne will be part of the Cardinal broadcast tonight as the Cards open a three-game series with the Padres. Good morning, Mr. Claiborne. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Good. Thanks for getting up on the West Coast. How's the weather? I always love the early morning, like seven eighteen in San Diego with that. Uh, I don't know what they call it, but it's the, the marine mist. layer. The, yeah, I love that. Marine layer. Yeah, and then it burns off, and it's back to being seventy four degrees. Uh, you know, this is the safest job in America if you're a meteorologist here in San Diego. It does change. That is it doesn't that, change. I heard that the meteorologists out there just record five of them on Sunday night. No, they do it for the month. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that guy's probably back in St. Louis playing golf and sweating. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Clay, we were talking earlier about the, the outfield situation. They brought uh, Juan Yepes back up and, and, you know, just trying to figure out, solidify these three outfielders. In your opinion, who are the three guys going into this postseason uh, that you trust the most and believe can, can you know, make the most plays for this, for this Cardinals team? Well, you know what, Kerry, that's a good question because things have changed so much here in the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't know who your best defender is anymore. You know, maybe it's the Deluzio. Um, you know, Dylan Carlson is solid. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, I don't know if he's going to play or not. I mean, he's got a hamstring. and You know, hamstrings can linger. Um, Yepes and Burleson are probably not guys you're going to have on the field in the ninth inning defensively. So, you know, you're really – you've gone from having maybe one of the, a gold glove outfield to maybe a silver medalist, maybe. I don't know because <laughs> all these guys, you know, you have two guys who are better hitters than they are defenders. And you have a couple of other guys who are better defenders than they are hitters. And then you have one guy who's good. He's got a couple of gold gloves, but he's hurt. So I, I didn't think this is going to be something we're going to have to work through. Um, if, if it were a perfect world, it would be – oh, sorry, we didn't include Newpar. So if it's a perfect world, it's Carlson in center, Newpar in right, and O'Neal in, in left, if it's a perfect world. Uh, Newt Barr has, what, seven assists now, and that says a couple of things. One, people don't respect him enough. They keep running on him, and two, he keeps throwing them out. Uh, Carlson, when he's right, can go get it with anybody. He plays a different center field than Bader. And as I mentioned, O'Neal has a pair of gold gloves and you know plays a solid left field. So uh, I think we won't know that until the last week of the season. Uh, Claves, I asked Randy this earlier, and I, I'm going to ask you, we didn't think about it at the time, and, and obviously you, you got the pitching with, with Jordan Montgomery coming here, but, the, but now that Bader is, is, is healthy and he's going to be playing, how much does that loss hurt us and, and, and O'Neal going down on the IL as well? I don't think it's hurt us as much as I think you would imagine. You know, Bader was a guy that was really good defensively, caught most of the things, hit to him, was kind of up and down. You know, I think, as I said, he and Carlson play a different style of center field, but right now they're probably giving you the same kind of productivity offensively. 
So I'm not sure if there is a, a big drop-off. Uh, you know, Bader's a gold glover, and I think Carlson will be too one day. Claves, one of the things the Cardinals need to do, and I don't think any rational person has any concern, but you look at the last couple of weeks, Arenado and Goldie have cooled off, and that's one thing in the last 10 days of the season, the regular season, that you'd like to have settled down, is that those guys get back to where they're capable of being. Yeah, and I think you have enough time for that to happen. Uh, this is a long season, and if you notice, Mike Shilders tried to rotate the, those two and Albert from to the DH role when he can. Uh, but, you know, it's a long season, and they play with bumps and bruises. You know, both of those guys play hard. So you're going to have some, some ouchies, some boo-boos, some scrapes, you know, things of that nature that are going to slow you down. But, again, I think we have enough time to – get them back right. And, and here's the other thing that goes into it. We're going to see some better pitching. Okay, when you look at this week, San Diego can throw some guys out there. The Dodgers can throw some guys out there. The Brewers can throw some guys out there. So for anyone to think that these guys are going to stay hot to the point where they're on fire, uh, think again. Think there's a guy on the mound that can, that can throw strikes too. So you have to be careful here in how we assess players. Hey, Klaibs, uh the pitching is, has been talked about all season. And uh, last couple of starts, Dakota Hudson gives you eight. Quintana gives you eight. Um, you got Mike List coming up here in the, in tomorrow. And then uh, Flaherty getting another start. What have you seen from, from them? And, and are those guys uh, vying for that, that third starting pitching role uh, for, for the playoffs? Well, um, another good one, man. I, I think because we're at home when we open up, so you're going to pitch Wainwright. You're going to pitch Michaelis. And it, although Michaelis is a good role pitcher as well, uh, so it really comes down to Montgomery, who I think is in the rotation. And what it also says is all of them would be on short leashes because you have Hudson, because you have Flaherty, you, because you have Quintana. Uh, but the process and how they prepare is differently because when you're coming out of the bullpen, uh, that's a whole different mindset as far as your day of preparation uh, and, and who you're going to face. So it's going to be a checkers match where Oliver Marmol has a lot of different options that most managers don't have. Now, if they can execute, this this could be fun to watch, and I think they can. Claims the San Diego team is only 35 and 34 since the 1st of July. It's a lot more talented than a 35 and 34 team. It is, um, and I thought they would be more talented after the trade. Soto's kind of cooled off. Josh Bell is kind of cooled off. You know, Manny Machado. He is who he is, okay? I, he has as much talent as anybody in baseball. But there's certain things about him you ask yourself the question, can you win with this guy? I mean, you know, his lack of hustle on the bases, uh, he goes into his slumps. Great defender. I, I think when you look at him, Arnado, they're going to put on on leather show this week because Manny Machado can pick it as, as well as uh, Nolan Arnado, and they both have incredible throwing arms. So I would suggest anybody who's paying attention to baseball this week, pay attention to those two because they're going to be fun to watch. Is there a place to eat that you like to go to in San Diego? I went to a place last night called Steak Chop House. It's S-T-A-K-E Chop House. It's in Coronado. Uh, tonight I will uh, do my Lewis and Clark impersonation of exploring the gas lamp district, which is like a half a block away from the hotel. Clays, what time is your tea time today? I'm, I'm, I know you got some time free. It's seven twenty-four out there. What, what time are you teeing off? 
Well, Carrie, the, the clubs don't come out on this trip because I'm with my significant. Okay. And if I, you know what? I can bring a club, but I don't want it wrapped around my head. There you so go. I'm going to be safe here and, uh, you know, do some exploring, doing some hanging out, and just try to enjoy the weather. Now, L.A. might be a different story. Okay, I got you. It's not going there, so it's no, you know, tell them what happened out there as far as golf is concerned. But, uh, yeah, you know, that's the one great thing about this gig. You do have a chance to play some good courses and, you know, we've been coming out here for so many years. You you have friends out here that you want to see and all of that good stuff. So I'm I'm glad we're on the trip. And uh, first thing at hand is doing some business against some good teams. And, and we're going to see a lot of left-handed pitching here in the next few days also. So you know what that means. Yeah. Yep. So it could be a very rewarding trip for everybody. Hey, Mike, the new 5460 podcast with Joe West dropped yesterday and a chance to visit with the Cubs TV broadcaster and of ESPN. We hear him a lot on this station, Boog Shambi, who's really one of the nicest people in baseball. There is no doubt. I've known Boog since his days when he was working in Miami for the Marlins, and just to watch him ascend in his business is, is a really good thing. He really understands the game. And he and Joe and I have a very good conversation about some of the subjects that bug us about the game. So <laughs> I suggest everybody take a listen. And uh, later this week, uh, we're going to sit down with Wayno. I don't know how much baseball we, we'll talk, but between those two country western fans, I'm just going to turn them loose. And, and because they come from two different generations of country western music, so. Um, I might even go put on a pair of blue jeans and a plaid shirt and tap my toe a little bit. <laughs> we actually uh, asked Joe when he was on with us, I don't know if you heard it, about Wayno. We played with the, the Wayno song, and he yeah. really liked Wayno's talent. So, that, yeah, that's cool. That'll be great for those two guys to get together. As if as if Wayno doesn't have enough to do in the offseason and post-career, now if Joe West turns him on all of his music friends, who knows, he may not have time to do baseball. He'll be opening up somewhere on stage. So we have to pe- keep an eye on that for a while. No doubt. Hey, Klaibs, it, Rubio's Fish Tacos. If you like fish tacos, Rubio's Fish Tacos in San Diego, and there's several of them around, are fantastic. My significant is quite aware of those, and I get the feeling whether I want to go or not that I'll probably be standing at one. <laughs> Enjoy. Have a great day. Have a great week, and we'll talk right, to you, you next week. Take care. We'll See you, brother. Soon. Thank you. That is the great Mike Claiborne joining us on 101 ESPN. Always good to hear from Mike, especially when he's in his element. Yes. And he is in San Diego. He's having a good time. Mike's element like. is sunshine? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it totally is. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, stick around. Rock and roll is coming your way. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It's time for rock and roll. I got a fun fact for you guys, though, before we get to rock and roll. The three quarterbacks... In the NFL, active quarterbacks that have a better winning percentage than Jimmy Garoppolo. Want to take a guess? Three of them. Aaron Rodgers. No. Ah. Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. One. Okay. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is two. Mm. Josh Allen. Uh, former MVP. Oh, Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Jackson. Lamar Jackson, 709. And then Garoppolo, <laughs> Only three quarterbacks in the NFL, active quarterbacks, have a better winning percentage than the 698 fashioned by Jimmy G. Is that the last three MVPs? Well, uh, no. Aaron was one. Aaron was Aaron, one. Yeah, Aaron sorry, was Aaron last has one. won two in a row, right? Or three. 
two or three. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's three. It's three out of the three out of the last five, I think, because yeah. Brady, Brady, Jackson, and, and Mahomes. Brady got yeah. one, didn't he? Yeah. Rodgers has won the last two. Okay, yeah. So uh, and Rodgers' all-time winning percentage is six sixty-two. Huh. Jimmy G is six ninety-eight. Yeah. So it's just MVP quarterbacks that are in front of him. Yeah. And basically. they wanted to get rid of him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Fair enough. Well, actually, that wasn't going to be my first one, but we're we're going to roll right into that uh, right off right off the top. The question of San Francisco right now. Trey Lance obviously out after breaking his ankle. It's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. One of the big things I was wondering about here is. What if they keep winning like they have always done under Jimmy Garoppolo? As Randy says, well, Jimmy Fowler was asked about that, and I thought it was an interesting take. I mean, I think at that point, there'd be one or two schools of thought. They would either say, okay, we have to keep the train rolling. We sign you to a huge extension and, you know, maybe still keep Trey Lance's insurance and develop him. But, or the other sign is like, hey, we this is a, a uh, one-year experiment. Garoppolo might not even want to be back anyways next year because he knows the team has been trying to move on from him for the better part of a year and a half, you know? So um, there's no bad blood, but there's also reality, a business reality that the 49ers don't love him, you know? Like, that, that's pretty obvious. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. I mean, we know everything that happened throughout the offseason. No one thought that they were going to stay together, and it was shocking that they did stay together in the end. So if Jimmy Garoppolo continues that winning percentage and leads them to more wins, is that just more fodder for a trade? Or are the San Francisco 49ers well, going to have to look themselves in the mirror on this one? He's got a no trade, and he's got a no tag. So he is going to leave on his terms if he's going to leave at all. But see, to me, the big thing here is that the move for Lance was made when they gave up the three number ones because they wanted a quarterback in his rookie deal because they have Fred Warner and they have George Kittle and they have Nick Bosa, who they haven't signed yet. They've got these other players signed to big contracts with the idea that they were going to have a, a quarterback in his rookie deal. And I don't think that they can deviate from that now if they want to keep their core together. Well, they <laughs> Trent Jimmy, Williams, another one of those. Jimmy is a is it will be a free agent after this year, correct? correct. So. I think there's no way that he comes back to San Francisco because, as you said, the way that they, they treated him, they, they basically ushered him to the side. They spent all his draft capital for Trey Lance, and they wanted him to be their guy. Jimmy did everything he was supposed to do. It wasn't flashy. It wasn't, it wasn't the big arm throws down the field. It wasn't always pretty, but what did he do? He won. And at the end of the day, you want to win games, and clearly San Francisco – Forgot about that part mm-hmm. and said, forget about you. I want the big arm. I want the flashy plays. I want the guy that can throw the ball, you know, 40, 50, 60 yards downfield and have those chunk plays. And so now you got Jimmy Jimmy G back in the fold because Trey got hurt. That's what happens in football. People get hurt. There is no way. In my opinion, they would have to come with a number, you know, so absurd that they would not be willing to do that, that I see that Jimmy Jimmy G would be back in, in San Francisco next year. He's going to get paid. He's going to play well. He's going to make $350,000 for every start and 100 more for every win that he has coming up for the next, is it 15 weeks now? 15 yep. weeks. And, and so he's going to make a lot of money over these next 15 weeks. And there, there, I don't think that disrespect is something that players, you know, we 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 need anything to to allow us to have more success, to drive us to do greater things, to work harder, you know, to to just keep going. He probably feels extremely disrespected by what San Francisco did, and I doubt that he would want to come back there, especially when there'll be other suitors out there. I love the way that the, just the timing works out. They want they were trying to trade him the entire offseason, mm-hmm. and they couldn't get a deal done. 
their quarter, their quarterback of the future snaps his ankle. Very different circumstances, but it always rem- reminds me of Matt Schaub for years just being a very diligent backup for the Falcons. They finally say, you know what, Matt Schaub, we're going to trade you. They trade him to the Houston Texans, and like a month later, everything happens with Michael Vick. Yep. It's like, wow, timing can really <laughs> bite you. <laughs> this is what I wanted to open it with because, listen, guys, we have a former Super Bowl-winning fullback on the show, and so anytime something beautiful happens He's always a Super Bowl-winning oh, yeah, fullback. Yes, you're right, <laughs> damn right, you're right. Super Bowl-winning fullback for, for uh, in Kerry Davis. So anytime something good happens that, honestly, the most under Underrated position in football. Uh, we're gonna have to talk about it. The opening drive for the Buffalo Bills. Allen off the play fake. Gives it to Gilliam, the fullback. Kind of makes the people miss. Down the sideline. End zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. It's Reggie Gilliam, the fullback for the score. And that's for care, right? Yeah. There. Every time we get a fullback <laughs> score, we're gonna do a little celebration here in the studio. That that warms my heart, Randy. It, it, first of all, to have a fullback on your roster means a mm-hmm. lot to me because it is a position that has been forgotten about, you know, discarded, thrown to the side. It, it's it's just been a position that people don't care about anymore. That used to be a vital, critical part of of '90s offenses, mm-hmm. yeah. Randy. And then we get to the 2000s, and you know, you, the internet boom, and things start to change, and now we forget about our great fullbacks. So good job, Buffalo. And for having a fullback, good job by Gilliam by scoring the touchdown. Kudos to you, sir. And uh, back in the day, I know that when Co- Coach Martz was in charge, he said, yeah, we got to give that guy a little sugar. Yeah. <laughs> Every now <laughs> and then. Let him score a touchdown. I, I, will tell this, I will tell you this. If you want me to block 30, 35 times, please Give me the ball five, <laughs> three to five times. Yeah. Right, make me happy. And every fullback can catch the ball out of the backfield. Yes. Every well, not every. Can, well, not every. Pretty much. Eh, eh, some are just blocks that run into people. But <laughs> the ones that are able, check is one of my yeah. favorite fullbacks. He he reminds me of a of a young Tom Rathman out there in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, you know, you 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 a few of them can catch. Some of them used to just be blocking slids. Yeah. They just run into people. Super Bowl thirty four, Super Bowl champion by the Robert Holcomb, Illinois. ILL. I I love talking fullbacks with Kerry too because I brought up to Kerry about how much of a fan I was of Mike Allstott, and Kerry rolled his eyes and was like, "You wasn't a fullback. He wasn't a fullback." Was labeled as a fullback. Mike was a, is a great guy. He's a great teammate, great person. He was not a fullback. He <laughs> may have lined up in the actual fullback position three, four, five times yeah. a game. He was a running back that was labeled as a fullback, and you know, made multiple Pro Bowls yep. due to it. But yep. great, great, great running back he was. Oh man, and yes, you, I'll tell you what. Third and two. You need two yards, he's going to get you three. Third and four, you need four yards, he's going to get you three. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. You're not wrong. Just, carry, carry, fullbacks, they're, they're very protective of, of, of their position, and they should Indeed. be. You're right. It's underrated, and, and anytime we get a good fullback play, we're going to be talking about it here with Kerry Davis. Moving over to the NBA, their discussions right now for their next CBA. I'm not going to bog you down to that. Beyond a potential change that could really rock basketball especially down to the college and high school level the nba is talking right now and it looks like they're going to pull change their eligibility age back from 19 back to what it was previously at 18 which would then of course mean high schoolers could jump straight from high school to college no more one and dones obviously with proliferation of nil with the fact that the g league teams with the with players going over to play in the NBL in Australia to try to get looks and things like that. There's just so many more avenues that aren't college basketball. It makes sense, but overall, is this good for college basketball and is this good for the NBA? It's good for everybody. 
Yeah, college basketball will have people that are actually committed to going right. to college and playing for a college team. The success rate with high school players was about what it is mm-hmm. with college players going to the NBA. To me, it's it's a good thing. If if somebody leaves high school and wants to play in the NBA, let them play. If you can, I mean, if you're yeah. able to do it, why would why would you feel the need? I mean, it's not obviously it's not like football where your body has to mature right. and 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 because you're going to be running into 35 year old men and you're 18. In basketball, if you're big, you're strong, you you're able to shoot it and do all of the things that they need you to do. Yeah, go. If you can play and, and, and can make it and sustain, I have no issue with it. And the idea of the one and done and, is so and, preposterous. And one year is not a huge <laughs> jump from, and, from high school to college. Not one year in, no. in, in the sense of maturity. Maybe you gain a little bit of maturity, but you're only there. If you're if you're an NBA player, you're probably on that campus for what? First semester. First six, six months it. after yep. that. Once March hits, if you make it to the tournament, yep. you're, you're done. Right. But so, in, the, in the second semester, you don't have to go to class anyway. Exactly. <laughs> I'll never forget. I, I, I had a good friend who was a, a year ahead of me, and they were in the capstone class, the final class you need to finish your major at Mizzou. They were in a capstone class with a Mizzou basketball player, and he was in their huge group project to finish their capstone class. Well, this Mizzou basketball player declares for the NBA draft and then did not show up to another class the rest of the semester. They had to, they had to finish the whole project without Ooh. him just because – he dipped out because, well, he was going to the draft. I, I'll tell you my my brief story. My I was a fifth-year senior. I graduated in four years. So my fifth year I had an opportunity to play and still had to take classes. And so we were pretty bad my senior year. We ended up – we were one in six. We were no longer bowl eligible. I think we lost to Michigan. And I went into the office because earlier that year I, I made a decision to skip class. And mm-hmm. Coach Turner, our head coach, me and him, 7 a.m., made me run. I'm a three-year starter, captain mm-hmm. of the team. Me and him made me run until I almost threw up. He don't miss class again. So we get to to the week six, after the week seven. We're no longer bowl eligible. I go in his office. I say, "Hey, I'm not going to any more classes. Don't check. Don't bother me. I already graduated. I'm not going to any more classes. I will be sleeping till about noon, one o'clock. Then I'll come over here for practice. We can't go to any bowl games. Don't." And he laughed. He's, he laughed. He said, "I got you. Go ahead." Because I knew I was going to withdraw at the end of the semester. Wasn't going to any more classes. Wasn't no purpose of it. I had already graduated. Just had to finish up that football season, and I was going to prepare for you know. NFL draft, pro days, and, and, and the combine and all those things. What were the classes? Do you remember? Uh, who knows? <laughs> I, it, I had already graduated, so it wasn't like it was really hard class. I think I had two acting classes. I think I had, um, you know, uh, I, who knows? I might have had basketball. I had basketball one year. Okay. Liner, <laughs> when, when, when Liner came back oh, for yeah. senior year, and I think Liner might have graduated in three and played his fourth year. But the class that he took after he graduated was ballroom dancing. There you go. I'm sorry. There was a, there was a class. Yeah, that it was, was the rules of, of basketball. You had to you had to, the rules of, of basketball. You had to make a layup. You had to shoot a jumper. You had to know the rules of basketball. Was, that was the a teacher class. a coach? Nah, I don't. No, 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 no. I don't think so. It was that's great. Pretty simple. But I dropped all of it. I'm done. <laughs> I <don't laughs> when I told it. the academic advisor, he looked. You can't do that. Uh, I just did. <laughs> <laughs> You, sir, you can try to stop me. Don't bother me. I'll be sleeping. Thank you. You, sir, can try to stop me, but I've been playing football, and a bunch of 300-pound Michigan men haven't been able to, so I'm going to keep on rolling here. Sorry about sorry about you. One, one last thing here before we, we go. Fans, just 
they need to reel it back in. It happened again in Vegas with the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray was celebrating with some fans in the stands. One fan proceeded to reach over and kind of slap him in the face open-handed. The police are now investigating it. The video is pretty clear. If you slow it down, and you can see the fan pretty egregiously reach over and kind of open-hand slap Kyler Murray in the face. Listen, we saw all those incidents with the NBA. Been kind of quiet and stuff like that, but this is another thing popping back up. I love when players go into the into the stands like that. The Lambo leaps one of the best things about NFL football, but people just reel it in. I don't I don't know what's wrong with people. COVID, since COVID, the, the world has lost its mind a little bit, but just reel it in, people. Let's not lose these these special moments we get in sports, like Kyler Murray going over there to celebrate with Cardinal fans. That was a special moment, and somebody had to ruin it. Well, listen, first of all, <laughs> if you play professional football, I know they are no longer in Oakland, so maybe the mystique or the, or the lure of the black hole <laughs> has changed just a little bit. <laughs> However, they are Raiders fans, point. and you have to know what you get what you get, and you don't have a fit. Do not go over there. They, I mean, it didn't look like he got slapped on purpose but he definitely got slapped Mm -hmm. and why would you expect anything other than that in in las vegas when you are playing the raiders that you're gonna get slapped sometimes yeah it's gonna happen (laughs) it's just part of part of football right yeah deal with it (laughs) (laughs) or that yeah or or just you know part of football deal with it no no this is exactly the problem it's the raiders the Raiders. Still though, jumping. I love. I love it when 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 players jump into the stands in a positive way. And I'm not. I'm not talking to you, Ron Artest. Um, <laughs> in a positive way, and it just sucks when fans ruin it like that. It just. It seemed that we were on a bad trend for a while. The NBA kind of righted the ship. It was. We were. It had some some downtime, and now right out of the gate in week two of the NFL, we get a, a player just open hand slapping a quarterback. Just insane. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up as we head down the stretch, MLB's lust of money. May have really screwed them big time. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We've got a balloon party coming up with T-Mac and Ajax at the top of the hour. Carrie, Matthew, and Randy. And guys, we've talked a lot about the possibility of Albert Pujols being at 699 home runs when the Cardinals played the Dodgers on Friday night on Apple TV. That's the second game of a doubleheader. The first game of the doubleheader has Aaron Judge and the Yankees playing against Boston. What if Judge is at 60 or 61 home runs with a chance to break the all-time American League and Yankee record? And it's only available on Apple TV in New York. And as Andrew Marshand writes in the New York Post... The t- Apple Plus, uh, Apple TV Plus games are free, but older viewers mm. have difficulty in accessing Apple TV. And to me, this is something I, I get that baseball and football, hockey, basketball, everybody has to understand that a younger audience is going to stream and you're going to get a lot of money. But you also have to understand, in my opinion, that when you come up to an event as big as this is going to be, whether it's 700 for Pujols or 61-62 for Aaron Judge, you have to be able to go to your partner and say, look, we love this partnership, but we need to get this game, these video productions, to a wider spectrum of audience than just the Apple TV viewer. Yeah, well, I would say, Randy, that's probably why they did it. I don't know when the decision was made. I don't know how far back um, 
uh, that decision was made to put those games before on. the season. Well, somebody they have some pretty smart people in analytics as mm-hmm. well. I, I don't know if you could bet that Aaron Judge was going to get to sixty, but you could figure that Albert Pujols may be close to seven hundred if all things went well. Um, but yeah, I, and to, by the way, it's Yankees, Red Sox, it's Cardinals, yeah, Dodgers, yeah, right? Yeah, so you that matchup in itself is is always a good matchup, especially the the the, the Yankees and, and and Red Sox. You can't you can never go wrong with putting them on on TV because it's, it's mm-hmm. much when you think about top rivalries of all time, they are up there: Michigan, Ohio State, Duke, North Carolina basketball. Those are those are the rivalries that you think of. Um, but I, you know, I just feel like it, the world that we live in is all about people trying or attempting to make the most money that they can. And if it impacts people that may not be able to access it or it may not be as accessible to others, I don't think that they care. I think that well, they are more concerned with what goes in their pockets than, than anything else. You're 100% right about that. But as somebody who doesn't look at it with a financial stake, you're also struggling with the popularity of your sport. Yeah. And if you w- want more people to watch, you have to give them, you have to give the populace an opportunity to watch the most exciting things that are happening in your sport. And if a tenth of the people that are available, rather than 100% of the right. people that are available, are watching the most exciting things, you aren't helping your sport at all. Right. The only people that are going to be watching on Friday are going to be the hardcores. Right. The people that, that are going to watch regardless, yeah. no matter how, yeah. no matter where it is or, or how to get to it. I think that's one thing that baseball does a poor job of is just what you said, not getting their stars, not having you know those storylines that people that may tug at people's hearts or may, may pique people's interest. I don't think they do a very good job of, of getting that information out, like I said, to the masses because baseball is a is an intriguing sport. If you really sit down and watch it and have a good time, it could be a little bit long at times, depending on the game and, and the setting and what's going on. But if you want to get that your sport to more people and more people interested, I think baseball has to do a better job of, of just getting those stories out there and making sure that it is available to all. And on the football side of things, apparently, and I don't have DirecTV or the Sunday ticket package, but apparently the Sunday ticket package wasn't working on Sunday. But that is moving Apparently, the, the the odds are that that is moving to Apple TV next year, the NFL's Sunday ticket. Well, then <laughs> the Apple TV looks like they're trying to market, corner the market mm-hmm. in all things sports and make sure that you have to be able to, you know, have that 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 package to be, to be able to see all of these these games. I don't have Apple TV Plus. I do want to watch Ted Lasso, so I'm sure at some point <laughs> I will. But it's amazing how these companies all are getting one thing that you love, whether it's Netflix or whether it's Amazon or whether it's Apple, uh, Hulu, Disney. Everybody's coming up with something, one thing that you love. They, which spreads you thin. It sure does. <laughs> yeah. Across. Yeah, we need- you got subscriptions to five or five to six different it's, things it's to watch one thing on each one of them. Yeah, thank you. And, and Peacock <laughs> has Sunday morning baseball. Yeah, thank goodness I, my, my kids get separate uh, subscriptions to these things. So as a family, somebody's paying, everybody's paying for something. Something, yeah. Unbelievable. It's hard. <laughs> uh, great job today by our producer engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you. Pleasure. And uh, CD, this was great. It's always fun, Randy. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. (laughs) We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, 
We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.